hear the words go for launch, you'll definitely want to hang out. No, wait, Hook! I can explain! I didn't want to bother you, see? There was Walter Cronkite, and storyboards, and animators. Hiya! Mickey Mouse here. Well, not here exactly. Jeez, I'm fried. Let's get out of here and find some shade. W. my friend and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 575. And here once again, not only to help you have the best possible Disney vacation experience when you go to the parks, but I also want to bring you a little bit of Disney magic wherever you are with the podcast, live video broadcast on Facebook every Wednesday night, videos, special events, and more. Whether it's your first time visiting or you've been to the parks hundreds of times, if you're planning a Walt Disney World vacation or just love the history, details, secrets, and stories, there's something in the show for you because each week I'm going to take you from the parks to the screens and everything in between. If you're a new listener, welcome, thank you. Please go back and check out some or all the past episodes for interviews, top tens, reviews, and more. You can subscribe to the podcast in iTunes and also find everything else at www.radio.com. Walt Disney said of Disneyland that it would never be completed. It would continue to grow as long as there is imagination left in the world. It's something that will never be finished, something that I can keep developing and adding to. And I think that same is very much true for Walt Disney World. And while I've been saying for some time that it is a wonderful time to be a Disney fan, I think that 2020 brings even more exciting additions, changes, expansion, and experiences to Walt Disney World. So this week, we're going to share 20 reasons to visit Walt Disney World in 2020. So whether you're planning your first vacation, or maybe you think that you've seen or done it all, or maybe you just need a few more reasons to come back, there's something here for you, including a few very hidden things you won't find on a guide map or website. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week. And this week, instead of a trivia question, I want to help you plan for your next vacation to the Walt Disney World theme parks, or maybe even let you bring a little bit of Disney home with a chance to win $100 in Disney gift cards with a simple new contest. Then stay tuned to the end of the show. I'll have more information about upcoming WW Radio events, our next meet of the month in Walt Disney World, your voicemails, and more. So sit back. Relax and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. Oh, Walt Disney World, how do I love thee? Let me count the ways. I have always found a reason, dare I say an excuse, to visit Walt Disney World as I was growing up and then as I got old enough to travel on my own with friends, eventually my wife and my family, and so much so that I even moved down here. And I think there's always been a reason to visit Walt Disney World. And now more than ever, not only is it a great time to be a Disney fan, but I think there are some really compelling reasons to plan your first or your next trip uh, or find an excuse of your own to come back, even if you just left. Uh, dare I say, there isn't a top 10 list, but in fact, we could easily 
without even breaking a sweat, double that. And so, this week, I give to you, my friend, 20 reasons to visit Walt Disney World in 2020. This is when Barbara Walters come in and go, this is 2020. Um, and joining me is someone who also doesn't just give me an easy list of 10 reasons to vacation with, cruise with, dine with, snack with, and of course, plan with. She is Becky Mankin, owner, operator, empress of MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. I got empress now, so I've gone princess to queen to empress. I like this. That works for me. I don't know the royal delineations, but you're up there, very, very high up there um, on the uh, on the royal scale. But you know, we were af- we've actually been talking about this too, and we keep saying over and over again. At least I do. That is such a great time to be a Disney fan, right? Yeah. Uh, both out of of the parks and certainly inside the parks. And look, chances are you're listening to the show. You've probably heard somebody in your lifetime say, "You're going to Disney World again," and you're like. Of course I am. Yeah. Like there's, yeah. And like, and when they do ask you that, you're like, how are I still friends with this person? Because some people don't understand how we keep going and going back, or in my case, moving here. But there is, and and as 2020 came to be, and there's so much happening. It's been such an, an incredibly busy couple of weeks and couple of months with what's been opening and what we are hearing more about what is coming. It makes perfect sense because it's a great title for a podcast episode to do 20 reasons. To, I only get to do this once, a, you know, once every five years or so. 20 reasons to visit Walt Disney World. And Becky is somebody who visits almost more than I do and has been planning not just for yourself, but for literally thousands of people uh, over time. Uh, I said this is a great way to sort of talk about all the different reasons. And again, whether it's your first time planning or we're also going to give you some uh, some deeper dives into things maybe you haven't thought about if you're looking for a reason an excuse to tell your husband your wife your boss whoever it is why like lost we have to go back kate we have to go back <laughs> uh you, the moment that you think you get all these announcements for something much like when we were at expo at Expo, D23 Expo, and heard that they were going to do a Star Wars land, right? You're thinking, oh my gosh, that is the most amazing thing. I can't wait till it comes out. And now it's here. And now we're hearing all the other things that are coming next. So as a Disney fan, I think it's one of the best times to be a Disney fan because we are very much excited about the things that are right around the corner. And 2020, no exception. Yeah, and I think, you know, if you like Mangello, man, I got this. I don't need any additional reasons to go to Walt Disney World. I think there's going to be something here for you and maybe something that you haven't thought about. Because now, I mean, we could almost give you 20 reasons to visit in the spring, 20 reasons to visit in the summer, 20 reasons to give them all. But we're going to give you 20, and I'm sure you can either convince yourself or convince uh, who you want and or need to travel with what some of the reasons are. And I am going to turn to you because I do believe that chivalry is not dead. Ladies first. And you are my guest, and I am just incredibly curious. When I said to you, Becky, I'm looking for 20 reasons, what was maybe the first thought or sort of that top-level thing that came to mind? All right, this is really hard, because if you're going to do a top number of things, attractions, things to visit and see, and reasons to be here, are we starting from 
what you think is the least or the most, or just is this a cavalcade of whatever comes You do what you think is right. You go where <laughs> your mind, God help us, took, wow. us, took you. Okay, so... I guess from my perspective, the number one thing is the first thing that's on my mind that's next is Mickey's Runaway Railway. I Say that three times fast. I know. It's hard enough to sit there and kind of go through each of the syllables. But for me, um, that's the next thing that I'm so looking forward to opening and experiencing. And obviously, there's many, many more things. But as I look at the list of things that I came up with, that was the first thing that came to mind. And I think it's because... It really blew my mind that um, Mickey's never had an attraction or a ride. And Which almost makes no sense. You're like, oh, no, wait, there was. And you're like, oh, no, wait. Yes. Right, because because I think the Mickey Mouse Review in Fantasyland and Magic Kingdom doesn't really count because it was not a Mickey and Minnie-focused attraction. Exactly. And so when somebody said that to me the first time, I'm thinking, absolutely no way. There's no way Mickey hasn't had some sort of ride. And, and like you said, kind of thought through it. And it's like, no, that's really the case. And not only is it the first, uh, the little sneak peek that we had at that, at the little preview where we got one little tiny taste of what that attraction is going to be like, my mind was blown on that little piece. So I, I guess for me, coming to see uh, it, it, uh, at Disney that where it was all started by a mouse and we're just now getting the attraction for me that was the first thing that came to mind so it's interesting my mind actually went somewhere else but I will sort of touch on it because it, it very much was on my list I too was fascinated by that idea and you know the Imagineers had a very interesting challenge because if you say Mickey Mouse to someone and ask them to close their eyes the image that pops into their heads is possibly very different than what pops in yours, right? So me, I'm old <clears throat> school, and so I might think of early pie-eyed Mickey. Someone who's younger might think about the Mickey and Minnie that's on the current cartoon shorts on the the Disney Channel and Disney XD. So they had a very interesting challenge of trying to figure out how to represent Mickey and Minnie in something that everybody of every generation and every member of the family could enjoy We've been getting little bits and pieces and sneak peeks. Again, I don't want to spoil anything, but that pre-show surprise, literally, <laughs> and you'll understand what this means, it blew me away, and you'll see why. But some of the things that they've been hinting at, so Kevin Rafferty going back to D23 Expo is like, where do you hear the song? Where do you hear the song? Like, teasing us, I heard part of the song, and I get it. Like, all of a sudden, I see why he says it's so incredibly memorable. Um Again, without giving too much away, Mickey and Minnie are going on a picnic in their little sporty roadster. I want to know how Mickey affords all this kind of stuff, but um, they're going down there. Engineer Goofy's train happens to be nearby. What could possibly go wrong? Um, this, uh, again, has an interesting challenge of satisfying Mickey fans, replacing a beloved attraction at the Great Movie Ride, and really what is going to sort of be the iconic keystone almost attraction for disney's hollywood studios this is going to open uh early march um in uh, in disney's hollywood studios on march 4th um and i'm really going to be curious to see because if that if that first scene and the hints that the imagineers have been giving us and i had a chance to interview uh, a couple of the imagineers recently during the preview um based on what we've seen in things like rise of resistance mm -hmm. i'm incredibly in excited anticipating 
what we might see because it's all about story, but the technology that they're going to be able to use to help tell that story is really what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, exactly. And I still remember that feeling of, oh, well, this is going to be cute. You know, this little, this attraction is going to be, you know, about Mickey and about the cartoon Mickey. And, but the, that little reveal. And again, we can't give anything away. I wish I could. I wish I could make everybody have that, that <gasps> gasping, taking the breath out of the oxygen, out of the air when that little taste occurred. I wanted so much more. I wanted to see more and I can't wait to experience it. So for me, the first one on my list um, was <clears throat> almost intentionally a nod to you because it's where I thought you were going to go. Because I think that if you, I think a lot of people sometimes say, I've seen it all, I, I've done it all, and Walt Disney, I've stayed everywhere right on property. To me, I think the new resorts, which admittedly opened in, in 2019, mm-hmm. are absolutely compelling reasons. So I've recently had a chance to not only see the opening of the Grand Destino Tower, which we've talked about uh, on the show, and I've did a lot of uh, video and live from there, but the recently opened Riviera, like those two alone are reasons to come. They each are unique for a variety of reasons, one of which is one of my other compelling reasons to go, I might even, I might do two here just to sort of easily segue, but while the Grand Destino has a um, an entryway and almost really a, an atrium that is um, grandiose and spectacular. Riviera, <clears throat> excuse me, is a little bit smaller. It's a little bit more quaint. It reminds me of what you would see in the French or Italian Rivieras. The color palette is different, but it still has that, that modern, comfortable elegance that we're starting to see come through not just the new resorts, but even some of the resort refurbishments as well. And yes, that was actually second on my list because the the Grand Destino, I just had the opportunity to stay there just a few weeks ago for the first time. And it, it was so amazing to me what they've done with this quote-unquote moderate resort. I think it's probably one of the best values on property. And if you look at their concierge level as well, of course, Brecky's going to look at the concert right <laughs> Of course, because everybody was saying it is it has taken the concierge levels at Disney resorts to a whole new level, literally. And I can see why. The offerings up there were amazing. The food offerings were amazing. The, the service that you get up there was great. The, um, the rooms are so beautifully decorated. And I, I absolutely adored the Grand Destino. And I, again, would say, I think right now, it is one of the best values on property. Um, I have not personally seen the Riviera yet. I'm going to do that this week uh, before I go home. And I can't wait to, to see it. I've seen pictures. I've heard your review. Um, I watched some of your video as well to, to uh, when you did the tour on the opening. And it kind of gives you, uh, again, another reason to come and experience another location or another resort that you may not have. And to, I have to always address this, you know, it is a Disney Vacation Club villa. Um, as we know, it is villa resorts. You do not have to be a member to book there. You can book on cash. Uh, they do have many of the same specials uh, when they do have availability for them. So anybody can stay there as well. Uh, that took me, do, do I get to move now or do you want to stick on the resort? Well, I want to just quickly, I want to stay on the resort a little bit. Okay. Um, again, and, and we have talked about Riviera uh, a bit in the past. I'm going to do a full sort of review of the resorts and the amenities and the options 
that are there. Um, one of the things, and obviously the dining options, Topolino yeah. Terrace. I'm, I'm look, I'm coming for you, <laughs> Big Daddy. Like I'm coming. The character breakfast. I have heard nothing but spectacular Great reviews, place. and I will tell you, I haven't had a chance to dine there yet. But the uh, the terrace outside with comfortable seating areas, Becky, you'll love the fact that there's actually a bar out there as well. I think those views may rival the views of anywhere on property. Again, California Grill, I'm looking at you. The views up there of Caribbean Beach, the water, the Skyliner at night, the fireworks spectaculars you're going to see. Like, I want to go... Not just because I want to try all the foods, but I want to see. I, I, I almost stayed there that day just so I could see what sunset looks like from the top of the Riviera. So, how does that compare then? Do you think to the um, the lounge and the restaurant at the top of the Grand Destino? So it's different because this is actually um, the the views here are obviously a little bit different. The and we just actually had a very nice. <clears throat> business meeting for about four hours at, at the Dahlia Lounge. Um, I have to sort of go there and I want to experience it at night to see. Um, but the views are spec. I might have to do a top 10 views at Walt Disney World. I don't know if I've ever. Have I done that? I might have done that. Somebody let me know if I've done that. How about lounge views? I know, Becky. I've I'm promised gonna... you a top 10 lounge that's, that has your name written all over it. Um, but And I'm going to sort of segue into something else because something that the Riviera is doing, and, and dare I say is really testing, is a brand new resort category. And I don't know if you've actually seen the room or not, because they have something called a tower studio, which is one queen-size pull-down bed that sleeps up to two adults. So it's a very unique two-person accommodation that has not just this sort of flex space, but also has a private balcony as well. So when you walk in, the bed is sort of a Murphy bed that comes down. And while the room itself is small, and again, if you've traveled to places like Europe, you understand sometimes small hotel rooms, it doesn't feel tight. And even when you pull the bed down, there's still a lot of room to walk around and maneuver. The bathroom is huge. You've got this private balcony. There's USB ports everywhere. But as somebody who is a frequent solo traveler, or if you're a mom traveling with your child or a husband and wife or a couple that's traveling together, if you're not spending a ton of time, especially in your room, this might be like really the perfect option because you can, one, save a lot of money. You have a great room at a brand new resort. You've got the private balcony. You have all these sort of modern amenities, but you don't have to really pay for space that you don't need. Yeah, and this is very cool. It's a trend that has been going on in the travel industry for some time. The cruise lines have picked up on it first to give those smaller accommodations that um, allow for all of the amenities that you would normally get in the space, but not having that premium dollar when all you need is just a place to to sleep and get changed and uh, spend a little time. Because when you're in Walt Disney World, you're probably not going to spend the majority of your time in your room. So I think it is a brilliant idea to try to give them something that's uh, more value for lower cost in that deluxe type villa category. And the amenities that are in the room too make it, especially again for me, so attractive because there's a microwave in there. There's a coffee maker in there. There's a desk. So if you have to do some work, um, there's a, a huge TV. I mean, it actually probably feels even bigger because of the size of the room, but there's a fridge. So you have all the amenities that you need without maybe having to go to a larger 
room or a um, um, a deluxe studio or a one bedroom or something like that. Um, so I think the category itself makes sense. I have a feeling, like you said, that this is something that we're going to start to see as especially other resorts. Maybe this is another compelling reason. You know, other resorts are continuing to get updated. You know, Coronado Springs just got a, a, a refreshing. I think maybe this is a spoiler alert. I think Grand Floridian is going to get a continued refreshing. I think some other resorts are going to get refreshings. We might to see. We might see this category appearing elsewhere. And it would be a great idea because there are a lot of people who do travel on their own. Um, or when you have those multi-generational families where you have people who want to travel together. And this, of course, gives them another opportunity to um, to save a little money to be in a smaller space, but still be at the same resort that might fit a larger family. And I actually talked to somebody from our uh, WW running team who over Marathon Weekend stayed there, and it was a husband and wife couple. I said, tell me what your experience was like. I don't care. I mean, they were literally in the middle of running the race, and I'm asking them about where they're staying. But they loved it. She said, it's perfect for the two of us because it's just us. The room was spacious. The bed is a a queen-size bed. There's a comfortable couch. So they felt like they had the benefit of a full studio, you know, where there's a, a, a living area and the bed without having to pay the additional cost. So... Uh, it was nice to, nice to hear from somebody who actually stayed there. So, all right, moving on because we don't can't make this. We could, but we're not going to make this a four and a half hour show, well, or are we? Oh, geez, no. Well, bartender. Um, <laughs> uh, well, my next one would then fall right into this, as a matter of fact, and that would be if you haven't tried the Skyliner, you should probably come here to see the Skyliner in 2020 because. It is doing several things. It's offering another mode of transportation to places that most people are trying to get to. But it also opens up the ability to maybe stay at some of these resorts that are now connected to the Skyliner that you may not have thought of before. Like, well, the Riviera is you know right there and you can easily get to um, Hollywood Studios or to Epcot using that mode of transportation. But a lot of people have in the past avoided some of the other resorts because of the lack of transportation or much more inconvenient transportation options. Now, the Skyliner has opened up those resorts to this opportunity of getting to the parks pretty easily. I think Skyliner does a number of things. I think one, and I've said this since the day it was announced, for a lot of us, it's an attraction as much of, if not more, than a conveyance. My family has actually asked on the weekends, like, hey, can we go and park at X and go take a ride on the Skyliner? Which... Again, it was not necessarily the, the primary intended purpose. Maybe it was, but for a lot of us, that's what it becomes. And all the fears of, is it going to be too warm? Those louvered vents, it, they're, it's like magic. It's incredible how cool they are, and they're fun. And it's not, you know, people have asked if, if I'm claustrophobic or if I have a fear of heights. Um, I haven't found anybody that's really had any sort of issues with them. I think what it does, too, is like you said, in terms of where to stay, all of a sudden, Riviera, not just because it's new, but because it's on the Skyliner route, becomes a lot more attractive. Caribbean Beach, Art of Animation, Pop Century, where, again, the fact that it goes to several different resort categories, I think is really smart. And I think, maybe you said this, I wasn't literally listening, but <laughs> it puts a lot, I'm kidding. It puts, it puts places like, and I'm talking specifically to Caribbean Beach, where I was actually at today. It puts Caribbean Beach back on the map. It does. Right? So you're at Riviera, you're watching the Skyliner, you're seeing Caribbean Beach, and you're like, wow, this is a huge resort 
it's when I say that it's spread out, not in a bad way, but in a good way. It, this is actually, I hate to admit this, this is the first time I've been there since the refurbishment <gasps> over a year ago. Wow. Okay. I will tell you that the the the, the main uh, Port Royal welcome area, check-in area, dining area, this is not your dad's Caribbean beach. It's beautiful. It's clean. It's spacious. Um, there's a lot of great dining options there. And now all of a sudden, you're like, huh, maybe we should stay there. Maybe we should check out Caribbean Beach. What I think it does, too, let's get to the really important part, is it also puts dining locations on right on the, the radar because you'll look at places like Topolino's Terrace. I've heard nothing but good things about Sebastian Bistro. I haven't eaten there yet. Go figure. Um so fantastic. I have eaten there. And it was right around the opening. So we were doing sampler uh, taste menus there. It was fantastic. So that's a place we should go and try because clearly we should try everything. Right. Clearly we don't eat enough. Clearly we just didn't spend two hours in, in Alien Compass. We're actually recording at Disney's Yacht Club Resort um, right now. So, again, those are, I, I'm finding even as locals, it's bringing people to resorts that they might not have looked at otherwise. Yeah. Uh, again, that uh, from a recommendation standpoint, people will come to us who may not know a lot about property <clears throat> or which ones to choose. Like you said, Caribbean Beach was always like the, the last moderate that we would recommend because of the transportation options. Now, it really has kind of bumped it up to the top. So I think it's my, I don't know, I think we're on five, six, seven, it doesn't really matter. Three. Four. I mean, we're at least <laughs> at four or five. Um, one thing that I was unaware of that I just found out recently is, and I, obviously you know this as a travel planner, and because there's so many options outside the parks, sometimes you don't, you know, if you're coming for a seven-day vacation, you don't necessarily need or want or maybe even can afford a seven-day ticket, right? Maybe you only want to go, and with places like Riviera and, and some of the updates where you can spend a day at the pool, you can spend an afternoon at Disney Springs, you can you can do some of things outside the parks. There's actually a new uh, ticket that was just recently announced. It's called the Four Park Magic Ticket, which is four days, not one, not two, not three, but four, which is why they call it the Four Park Magic Ticket. It's four days from $89 per day, which gives you one admission to each of the parks for a total of four admissions. And you can add on things like Typhoon Lagoon or Blizzard Beach or um, NBA Experience. So the way it works um, is you don't have to use all four days consecutively. You have uh, seven days from the time that you first use it. So if you get here on a Monday, maybe you want to just hang out at your resort, go to Magic Kingdom next day, go to Disney Springs the following day. You can use, you can hit each of the parks on your vacation without having to worry about doing a full seven-day park hopper if you know you're not going to use it. And which is, again, smart because people are doing different things on their vacation here. And to have that flexibility and those options is brilliant on their part. All right. So what's, uh, what's next on your list? On my list, let's see. I'm going to go... Hmm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm looking through, because I'm hoping that I'm going to hit something that you might not be thinking of, which probably isn't the case. How about, oh gee, food. 
<laughs> Let, let's work on that one for a second because I'm really excited about this. And interestingly enough, because we know that the um, the anniversary, the big anniversary is on our heels and it's coming up. So when things like Space 220 Restaurant has having been announced in my brain at first, I thought it was going to be all part of that celebration when in fact it's coming in the winter of 2020. So that is even more exciting to see something that's going to have that type of technology where you're going to be, what is it, 220 miles above the earth uh, that you take a transport to, to go and eat in a space station. I'm all about that. That sounds like it's going to be an incredible experience and a lot of fun. You know, I'm not really into all this dining uh, <laughs> really? stuff that you are, are talking about. Um, actually, most of my list, 82%, 97% of my list really is dining related. You're going to get through the, the boring stuff first. Is that Yeah, no, well, I'm trying to sort of, you know, uh, round out the, the entire conversation as it was. But this is going to be, you know, we throw the word unique, uh, experiential and immersive so much. Mm -hmm. We've seen nothing like this before in any of the Disney theme parks and resorts because when you board that elevator... That's really the last time you're going to see it's what the spaceship. outside. It's a spaceship transport. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Elevator. Um, but the windows aren't windows. They are windows to space. So you're not. And again, we're going to see this technology when we get to things like uh, the Galactic Star Cruiser. So the the outside world is one that is going to be story driven, imagineered, and I'm and I'm super super curious to see what this is going to be. Look, when they announced this and then showed some of the concept art, I'm going to show how old they are. I thought of Flight to the Moon and Mission to Mars and Tomorrowland. When you sat in this theater in the round and you looked down and everything was rumbling and you felt as though you sort of the you saw the exhaust from the rocket as you were taking off to the moon and then eventually to Mars in a much smaller capacity. That's what this quote-unquote elevator is going to be like. But again, the technology that we've seen introduced Recently, being brought into a dining experience, mm -hmm. I am very, very much looking forward to seeing what that's going to be like. And again, it's going to be another experience, not just walking to a restaurant, sitting down and ordering your bacon cheeseburger with chicken. <laughs> Don't go there. We just said we had a very when Harry met Sally type of experience when Becky was ordering an Ale and Compass restaurant. Oh there's 87 things on the menu, Becky. That's not good enough. No, no, no. Becky's going. She's I not was, going off menu. She's going way off. I was menu. trying to be healthy. Anyway, no, no. So, you, anyway, okay. So what do you think they're going to? What we're going to eat in space? Any ideas? I, I have a feeling it's not going to be powdered and in a bag like <laughs> the astronauts used to have. Uh, again, we we don't know a, a lot about it uh, in terms of they haven't really revealed anything right. in terms of. The menu, as yet, I think when you talk about a restaurant in space, um, it gives you a um, uh, a universe of options in terms of <laughs> of what it can be about. So that's going to open up this winter um, in uh, in Epcot Center. Um, super, super curious to uh, to see what that's going to be like. Yeah, the the possibilities are out of this world. You didn't. You, you didn't. <laughs> please. Okay. I'm, I'm just checking to make sure that you're actually paying attention. Not anymore, but okay, go ahead. What's next? Oh, you're next. My, oh. Um, 
You know, okay. So I'm gonna I'm going to um I'm gonna well no, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna move on. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm not gonna lump all of my food into uh into one uh, I'm gonna go you know what I'm gonna go back to Epcot and actually where I was earlier today where I had a chance to preview two of the three count them three new films that are coming to Epcot Center. So we are getting Canada far and wide in obviously the, the Canada Pavilion. We're getting the Beauty and the Beast sing along in uh, France, and we're also getting the uh, Awesome Planet in the Land Pavilion. Now I've had a chance to see the Beauty and the Beast sing along twice. Uh, I think this is such a unique concept. Um, what this is not going to replace the current film, Impressions of France, which is I think one of the most beautiful films has the the best score. I actually play this sometimes when I'm in my car. But the Beauty and the Beast sing-along um, takes sort of a different spin on the story that we thought we knew about Beauty and the Beast and how, and I don't want to spoil too much, but um, it's sort of what happens if the story it's like a Marvel what if, right? So if you knew the Marvel comics, there's a sort of the what if comics. The what if series is coming to Disney+. Plus. Uh, imagine if the story of how Belle and Beast got together was a little bit different than what you thought you knew and expected. And if you also see it from the person that really made it happen, the, the little Valentine that he is, it's told from LeFou's perspective, not just with some of the original animation but with new animation some familiar voices and some familiar songs obviously this was inspired by the incredible success and ongoing success of the frozen sing-along in disney's hollywood studios i've seen this twice never once in a theater filled with children but almost every adult was singing along or at least mouthing the words Except for me. Well, I was going to say. I, no, I, nobody wants my, to hear me sing. My question for you is, did you sing? Did I was you singing. Your, did you tap your foot a little bit? Did you hum along? I was singing on the inside. Uh, come on, because when, when we went and saw Greece, I could hear you singing under your breath. I know not of what you speak. <laughs> so you're telling me you didn't sing at all. You sat there just, you were a lump. Watching. I may have hummed a few bars, but, but um, I think we were talking about and this is going to it's not about breathing new life into that pavilion but makes it a, an attractive venue again because it's a theater they can sort of easily swap it out it makes it attractive to maybe kids or parents who would have a tough time bring like it's tough to tell your kid come on we're going to see impressions of french you're going to love it <laughs> when you say we're going to a beauty and the beast sing along that has a whole different impact on a child and it really is kind of a a, a a nice way for a family to experience the pavilion as a whole. So when you go in there, you get to learn a lot about the country because, of course, that is the, the reason that it's there. But to give um, a family something to do together that they can all relate to and still visit the pavilion and um, enjoy the rest of the amenities that are there. So let me ask you this. Other than going to Le Cellier, so you could be honest, how many times have you gone and taken what I think is one of the most beautiful and overlooked pathways to go see the O Canada show in the Canada Pavilion? I've probably seen it three times in the 
25 years that I've been coming here. So, yeah. Which is a shame because it was actually, it was great and I loved Martin Short, but Canada far and wide is opening um, now. And um, this is actually, the, the, the film has been refreshed before but not like this. Uh, they've used all di- new digital circle vision cameras, lots of new technology brought in here. Do you know there's been more circle vision films made about Canada by Disney than anything else? What? I speak the truth. So so your your trivia, I guess that's a good trivia question for later on. It is. But what they've <laughs> what they've really endeavored and I saw today and I think absolutely accomplished is make the film more authentic and diverse. And when I mean diverse, I mean you really, this was a very educational thing for me because I learned a lot more about, you know, Canada is like America. It's one nation made up of many parts and you don't realize that Canada has wineries, wine country, and there's a desert in Canada and there's mountains with snow and there's Mounties and there's poutine. It was a 45 minute segment in poutine. There wasn't, but it's what I was hoping for. So it's really, it's, it's made even more accurate because it's told very much from a Canadian perspective. Disney really went out and enlisted the help of Canadian filmmakers and Canadian photographers. Um, the, even the narrators, um, are authentically Canadian and familiar voices of Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara who you probably know from you know everything from uh, look you know Eugene Levy maybe from Splash or you know Catherine O'Hara from Home Alone I remember them I'm showing how old they am from Second City Television way back when um, but it's it's light and it's fun and it's um, it's beautiful. Like the film is just beautiful, and it, and seeing places like Vancouver, which we've done, the most beautiful we're, cities on the planet. Yeah, yeah but seeing it in three hundred sixty degrees um, was just wonderful. And I think, um, I think this is going to again become a, a new attractor for um, a long time, a long time existing pavilion. Yeah, and it it's one of those ones that's kind of overlooked a little bit unless you're going to La Cellier. A lot of people don't really spend a lot of time shopping in the shop, for example, which they've got a lot of great merchandise up there. And if you like maple syrup, it's incredible. <laughs> it's the real thing. Uh, I like the... the um, the way that they are refreshing these to to give a little bit more of a of a current perspective, and I can't wait to see this movie because I have heard a lot of people say that it was going to really show off the country in a whole different light, and it sounds like they've accomplished that. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. The one thing I didn't get a chance to see yet because it's going to open this Friday as as the uh, Epcot International Festival of the Arts spoiler alert this is on the list too uh, opens is over at the land. Just listen to the land we all love. Nature's plan will shine above. But there's a new film replacing what was Symbiosis and then Circle of Life uh, is called Awesome Planet. And from what we've heard, and again, I'll share an interview that I did uh, earlier today with, in my opinion, legendary Disney Imagineer Tom Fitzgerald. I loved his work in Horizons, by the way. Uh, The Awesome Planet is really... And I think this sort of harkens back to the original intent of Epcot. It's it's entertaining, but educational. It really is a call to action film 
for all of us to take better care of our planet. And when you hear that a lot of sequences were created by industrial light and magic, um, that gives you, right, all of a sudden that sort of makes you really excited about what you're going to see. But it really is sort of the idea of um, uh, taken from, again, there's a fun aspect to it that there's sort of a... um, um, a realtor, or a planet Earth realtor, right? And it's actually narrated by Ty Burrell from Modern Family. And he gives you a tour of the different biomes of the planet. And yes, while the planet is alive and, and does, quote-unquote, sort of take care of itself, we are starting to see changes happening and how we can help bring balance, not just to the force, but to the planet as well. Um, as you leave, you'll be directed to the Disney Conservation Site to see how you can help. And the sense that I got from talking to Tom and and, um, some of the other Imagineers today is this film is not something that's preachy, but it really sort of shares that that optimistic view that Epcot had and continues to have. And, you know, the planet is our home and we need to take care of it as well. So again, it's not just something that's educational, but it's going to be entertaining and informative as well and allow us to take action after we leave. And that sounds really cool. It's something we need right now, a little bit of education about what is happening to our planet. And Disney has a great way of delivering that message, like you said, without being too preachy. Everything old is new again as part of the continuing reimagination and reimagineering of Epcot Center. There is something that is classic Epcot classic Disney and something brand new. I am with, in my humble opinion, legendary Disney oh, Imagineer. No, well, listen, I loved your work in I loved your work in Horizons, by the way. <laughs> Tom, thank, you. thank you. I'm going to get this <laughs> right. someday. Tom Fitzgerald, Tom, <laughs> pleasure. pleasure. Uh, real excited about the three new films that are coming into both Future World and World Showcase, if you can take us through a little bit. Yes, we, we love the films of Epcot. They give us a chance to go deeper in our storytelling, and we're all about storytelling. Canada Far and Wide is our third iteration of a Canada Circle Vision film. We've made more films about Canada and Circle Vision than anything else. We built a digital camera. The theater is now digital. It will look and sound better than ever. We've worked with Canadian writers, researchers, composers to make sure the voice of this was authentic. But we also kept, of course, because you know the fans love it, the Canada Your Lifetime Journey song as the finale of the show. So I think this is a fresh new take, much more authentic. Uh, Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara, Canadians, are the narrators of this version. Awesome Planet is a very important call to action film for the Land Pavilion in the theater that previously housed Circle of Life. Uh, It's a film that really shows you how beautiful and unique this planet is that we share and also is a call to action of why it's important for us to protect it going forward. Um, We worked with lots of researchers. We had uh, Jane Goodall, uh, Sylvia Earle, tons of people who worked with us to try and get this important message out. Our storyline is really about a planetary realtor who is showing us just how unique this planet is. And because of that, we were fortunate enough to get Ty Burrell from Modern Family play our narrator. Um, We have an incredible score by Stephen Price, who did Gravity and Born in China. Um, We have some 4D effects in here. We are 4K digital. It's an astonishing show. And ILM created some bookends for this show that are not to be believed. 
all of it, though, in service of our story to say there is not another planet that we've ever seen that can support life. So let's get together. And we're delighted that Disney Conservation uh, is creating a link at the end of the show for, for people to go to afterwards to find out more about how they can help protect our planet. That's a very Epcot outreach idea. And then... As, you know, Monty Python would say, and now for something completely different, a twist on a tale as old as time, the Beauty and the Beast sing-along. This is for the France Pavilion. It's in conjunction with the Impressions of France film. That's not going away. But now that we're digital, we said, how about doing a sing-along with some of the great songs from Beauty and the Beast? Don Hahn, the original producer of this film, came on board as director and producer. And in addition to those great songs you know and love, he's created over two minutes of new animation to create a storyline that says that LeFou was the one who actually brought Belle and the Beast together. It's a very twisted idea, but in line with, you know, Maleficent and some of the twisted tale books that Disney has been publishing. We think our fans are going to really love it. It's, it's a great, it's great fun to sing along. It's got a nice sense of humor. All three of these, I think, are really important as part of the DNA of Epcot celebrating our, our world and its promise, our stories, our cultures. They are a part of the DNA of Epcot and we're excited to keep it going. And it, it very much, they're all classic Epcot because it is that wonderful combination of both entertainment, really with some wonderful educational messages. And Listen, nobody knows better than you, truly, if you can dream it, you can do it, Tom Fitzgerald. Ah. <laughs> yeah, so that's a very Walt Disney-type quote you just said. <laughs> but it does, uh, it does sort of sum up what Epcot is all about, I think. And, and again, we're as Imagineers, we're very proud of, of these storytelling venues and the chance to, you know, tell stories in new and different ways for our audience. And this allows us to do it. Great. Really excited. Thanks so much, Thanks Tom. Thanks so much. Appreciate Pleasure. It. All right. So what is next on your list? Where, where does story sort of go next? Something I'm very excited about because I have not seen this. It exists in Paris, <laughs> over in, in Disneyland Paris, which is Remy's Ratatouille Adventure. Uh, I was there just as that was opening up, um, but it wasn't open to the public, so I didn't get a chance to see it when I was there. And I can't wait, because so many people have come back and said, oh my gosh, that is one of the funnest, most exhilarating, most great ride that you can uh, experience, ha- not, having not done it. I'm looking forward to doing it here. So I, too, Paris is the one park I have not been to. Uh, I was very fortunate to get a sort of a sneak peek hard hat tour of at least the opening two show scenes of the attraction. And again, without giving too much away, you are shrunk down to the scale of a rat for a true culinary adventure, not one, there's actually not food, there's no food in there, unfortunately, but you get to sort of run across Gusto's kitchen in these trackless ride vehicles. So we've seen it here at Rise of Resistance. The first thing I thought of was Mystic Manor in Hong Kong. So from a storytelling perspective, how they're able to direct your field of view to what they want you to see really makes it intriguing. And just from what I saw from the sets and the size and the amount of detail that was on that Parisian rooftop and in that kitchen really made me excited for this one. And that's it, it looks so amazing from just the, the concept art that I've seen. And in Paris, you can kind of stand on the outside and see one scene as it goes by. It looks like it's charming, adorable, shrinks you down. You get to be part of the Remy adventure in the kitchen. I can't wait to see it. So... Uh, I'm going to combine 
France, or at least French speaking, and Canada, both of which we just touched on. Hot chocolate martini? It is not a hot chocolate martini. Instead, I'm going to take you to Disney Springs, which to me is the fifth park. Um, Now more than ever, there's reasons to go to Disney just because I love Disney Springs so very much. But I, when I first heard this announced, I, it made so much sense. I'm like, how did somebody not think of this before? Cirque du Soleil, drawn to life, is really something I'm looking forward to because the marriage of two incredible storytelling companies coming together, much like the Beauty and the Beast sing-along, all of a sudden makes that theater so attractive again, not just to fans of Cirque du Soleil, um, or adults looking for, but all of a sudden bringing in Disney characters and stories being told in a very new and unique format makes it such something great for families to do again. I had an amazing opportunity just a week ago to be able to see the brand. It had the new theater smell to it. It was a completely <laughs> renovated theater, new stage, proscenium, see some of the costumes and talk to some of the producers and creators understanding a little bit more about the story and I'll share the interview here so that you can hear from them because it's not a story centered around Disney characters it's centered as all great stories are around family and emotion and maybe loss Um, and uh, again I don't want to give too much away but it's this relationship between this girl and her father and who was an animator i know but look for many of us who are parents disney movies and these characters help to connect us right these are things we watch together it's um it's things we appreciate together It's things we get to talk about together this is going to be told in a way we haven't seen before and even the design and the um the characters that we see are not going to be what is necessarily what you've seen on the big or small screen before. This is going to kill me. I can just feel it now when you said a, a daddy and, and daughter. Um, I've been a fan of Cirque du Soleil for quite some time, and I've been very impressed with how they can take different theming for different shows. For example, in Las Vegas, they do O, which is based on water, and they do um, the Michael Jackson show and the Beatles show and how they can uh, integrate their talents their specific talents in the Cirque show with those different IPs that come along it's incredibly impressive I haven't had a chance to do some of the previews that you have um, but I can just imagine how they're going to take this this magical storyline and weave it in the way they have with the other themings that they've done before it sounds like it's gonna be amazing I will only tell you this. The story is going to center around Julie, um, who discovers this gift left by her late father, which is an unfinished animation piece, and how it's going to, you're going to sort of join her on what I think is going to be a fun, exciting, and yeah, for some people, it's going to touch us on an emotional level, which again is sort of the hallmark, I think, of a great storytelling. It's why we love this place and this, these parks and these movies so passionately. Uh, that is going to debut this spring um, in Disney Springs and it's it's one of the things on the list that I've really sort of mentally circled as personally I can't wait to see again like you being a fan of Cirque I've seen a lot of the shows um, in in Las Vegas and I think Mystere and O and and Ka and some of the other ones 
no, if you've never seen a Cirque show, nobody tells a story in the way that Cirque does. And every time I leave, I'm like, I need to go work out. And then I just get depressed because I know I'm not going to. And I go, I eat something fattening instead. I was going to ask you, did you actually get to grab a bar and swing around? No, no, no. <laughs> just checking because you never know in one of those shows. Audience participation at some levels does come into play in some of the shows. So you never know. To tell you a little bit more about Cirque du Soleil Drawn to Life, I had an opportunity to sit down and interview Fabrice Becker, who is the director of creation for Cirque du Soleil, to tell us a little bit more about what's to come. Tell me a little bit about how the idea for a completely new story and a new show came together. It was uh, at the end of 2017. Uh, you remember that we had a fantastic show in that uh, theater called La Nuba. And uh, at the end of uh, their 19 years run, uh, 19 years of successful, you know, waving, warring audiences, uh, uh, Disney asked us to do a new show with them um, and asked us to find a creative way to integrate a little bit of Disney in whatever creative proposal we will get back to them. So we took a few uh, weeks, months of research, uh, went to all the parks, went to Disney Animation Library, uh, met with a lot of people at Animation Studio, uh, went to the San Francisco at the Disney Family Museum, and basically, you know, dove into the Disney world. And we were kind of fascinating, and we were uh, kind of drawing uh, some parallel between Disney early story and Cirque early story. And uh, it was all natural that we, a few weeks after we came back to, to Disney and uh, we wanted to celebrate their art. And uh, the show Drawn to Life will uh, literally be a love letter to the art of Disney animation. And li like every great production film, it really is rooted in story. And I think one of the things that Cirque, like I said, and, and Disney does so well, is one that is centered on tugging on the emotional heartstrings, as it were. Tell us a little bit about the story, because while it does involve Disney characters, it's not a Disney character that is literally and figuratively at the heart of the story. You're completely right. We, we really wanted to create that emotional connection with uh, our future audiences and create that universal uh, connection because we all have a connection to uh, Disney characters, to a, a specific Disney movie. And uh, Michel Laprise, the, the writer of uh, and director of the show, wrote a story of a young girl, a 12 year old girl, uh, a young girl <laughs> whose father was a Disney animator. And uh, really, uh, uh, our, uh, our beloved Disney character will come to us in that in that show in a very different uh, in a very different way and through the lens of that little girl and that's one of the things that's beautiful about the story is that it allows instantly as, as I was hearing it unfold and what it's going to be based on I as a parent mm -hmm. was immediately mm -hmm. felt that I had a connection to the story and I think kids are going to have it as well because that's one of the things that's that's important about this this is going to be a very family-friendly show it's not one that's for the kids that parents will enjoy too it really is one that's going to be geared for the entire family to enjoy together 
Absolutely, family friendly, uh, absolutely, 100%. And uh, as I said, uh, you know, we all have a special connection. And no matter what age you have, I think it's uh, as much true uh, for a five-year-old and uh, your grandparents or your parents. So we really wanted to to, to recreate that emotional bound uh, with our audience. And I think, you know, it's a, it's an incredible opportunity to, to be able to, to bridge, you know, a human physical physicality uh, of Cirque du Soleil with that emotional connection with uh, Disney characters and I think it's uh, it's it's a show where both Disney and Cirque fan will uh, will enjoy and uh, and dream about oh and I think one of the things that that's beautiful too is the opportunity especially for, you know I think for Disney in, in terms of the evolution of storytelling right it, it's not mm-hmm. always one when we talk about evolution it's not one that's necessarily grounded in new technology but you know walt created disneyland because he wanted to take the stories off screen and bring them in in to proportion exactly and and here it really is going to take place in not just sort of a you know linear fashion on the stage but above and you know i'm a a cirque fan so i've seen Mm -hmm. them but above and really um engage the audience i think in a new way too Absolutely. You know, it, the action will be uh, in front of your eyes, in the air, uh, uh, around you. It's a, it's a very, uh, you know, I hate to use that w- word immersive, but uh, it has, uh, you know, the, 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 our stage has a very interesting configuration of a 270 degrees, like a, a Cirque du Soleil, true a big top chapiteau, but in a, 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 a in a, a stationary theater, and I think that that theater is is fantastic to create a that connection between the audience and our performers. And you will be amazed. You will have some surprises. You will see some of your beloved character coming back in a unique and never seen before uh, shape. Uh, and of course, you you'll have that you know that little Disney magic and. Uh, I, I always like to, um, you know, this, uh, Walt Disney inspired us with uh, with something we heard when we did our research with how animation uh, could create that plausible impossible. And uh, when we when we started that creative uh, development, we we said to ourselves, how could we in a live uh, uh, show, in a live uh, spectacle, create that plausible I- I- impossible in a live setup? And that really drived uh, a lot of uh, the team, um, some of the designer. And I can tell you, we, we have some <clears throat> world premiere that you'll see on stage, not only in, the, in terms of acrobatics, but also in terms of creating that emotional bond and, that cr- and, and to create that plausible impossible. So come and see us. You know, there's a couple of things that, again, when I first walked into the theater yesterday that I noticed, uh, one was I don't, I've saw Lanuba a number of times. There was no proscenium, right, in, in mm-hmm. Lanuba. The one here really makes you feel the second, even before the lights dim, that you're almost sitting at a traditional animator's desk that, that Walt Disney himself might have sat in. Absolutely. You you gave a little bit uh, more uh, information about the story because it's the, you know, uh, our uh, hero uh, father was a Disney animator uh, and uh, really used the Disney character to raise uh, his his girl. And so those characters were almost like siblings to, to, to that girl. And uh, when Julie ventured herself in the world of her father's 
in her in the animated world of her father, she will rediscover those characters in a very different setup. So, our uh, set designer Stefan Roy came uh, came with that idea of a gigantic animation table, and uh, that little lit literally comes uh, comes to life. So, a lot to expect on that table. <laughs> Again. I think as as parents and Disney fans, I'm probably not the only person who says I'm doing the same thing that her father did. I'm raising my kids on and with Disney characters. So there's that in, in immediate uh, relatability to the characters there. But about the characters themselves, too, I am, again, having not seen anything other than maybe a little sneak peek at one of the costumes. You have probably have a very interesting challenge yet um, uh, creative outlet to be able to present Disney characters, I have to assume, in a in a unique way, probably not the way that people are used to seeing them in the theme parks. Absolutely, because we're not Disney, we're Cirque du Soleil. So we have uh, to look at them in a, in, in a, in a slightly different uh, way. And uh, I have to say, uh, people at... Uh, Disney Animation Studio really helped us to do that and they allowed us to break a few boundaries and a few rules in terms of how their character are represented in 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 our setup. And uh, I think the main angle here is that those characters are seen through the lens of Julie, our main character. So, and it's pretty much the same with any kid in that audience. They all have their special connection, their special bond with one character or one movie. And, uh, you know, they can mix up uh, and play with two different characters coming from two different worlds at the same time. It is possible for kids. And I think some of that will be also possible on our stage. You know, the other part that's so integral to the storytelling is because it's a, a multi-sensory experience. It's not just what you see, but it's what you hear. And I think sometimes we we almost maybe take for granted the importance of music, mm -hmm. right? The 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 Cirque music. I've, I've again I've been a fan of Mystere and O oh and, and Ka and some of the other ones. And obviously Disney music is is so important. Talk to me about the marriage of the Cirque style of music while mm -hmm. also um, integrating Disney as well. The expectation is huge because you know Disney uh, with music is is so uh, is so working their emotional connections through the music. So we had to come up with something that would make sense and uh, trigger that same emotional connection. And I'm happy to say that you know we 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 uh, we called our friend uh, Benoit Jutra who did the music of Lanuba and uh, wasn't working with Cirque du Soleil in the last 20 years. And we mm. said he's the best person to bring back. Not to uh, redo the music he was composing 20 years ago, but to take that heritage and to venture ourselves in the heritage that Disney created. So it's an original piece that Benoit wrote, but with some special connection with some Disney melodies when the story is calling for it. And that's the thing. It's, it's we have a connection to these characters. We have a connection to these stories. Um, I think music and the storytelling and the acrobatics that that Cirque brings that's so unique is going to really create something special. Uh, Cirque du Soleil, drawn to life, premieres this March, correct? And, and grand opening is in April. April. Absolutely. And you already can find the tickets at uh, DisneyWorld.com/slash/Cirque. And uh, we can't wait to share it with, uh, you know, Cirque and Disney fans. I can't wait to be there and to bring my family as well. So thank you so much. Thank you very much. Yeah, and if you visit the, um, the Cirque du Soleil website, I'll link to it in the show notes, you can get a sense of 
what some of the costumes are going to be like, what some of the um, the makeup designs, and see a little bit about the Russian swing training and the teeterboard training and the the design of the animation table, how this all came together, just to sort of give you a little uh, a little sneak peek of what the show is going to be like when it debuts uh, spring 2020. Excellent. I get uh, next up. I guess you're next. Well. Looking at the list, man, I want to go there, but I should probably go there, but I should go there, but I'm going to go there instead. So I'm going to take this leap of knowing that Epcot Forever is not really Epcot Forever. I'm really looking forward to Harmonious, which is going to be the replacement show in Epcot. Um, We've... We have all said goodbye to Illuminations. We have embraced Epcot Forever as the interim show because what they're telling us is coming is going to be, again, one of those show spectaculars with beautiful music, beautiful visuals, and things that we're going to um, connect with as well. And so I don't know very much about it yet just what we've kind of seen and what they've kind of given us a little bit of detail of what the show is going to be like and what it's going to be about it looks exciting knowing that some of the technology that we've seen with Epcot Forever is going to come into play here and what they're going to do to elevate it to the next level Um, I have always been very connected to the shows at Epcot I'm excited about seeing what's coming next I'm excited to see what technology they'll bring to the table and how it will uh, integrate with the visuals and the pyro and possibly more kites and whatever else they're going to bring to us in this next show. I'm very much looking forward to that. Yeah, you know, I I thought that Epcot, quote unquote, forever but not really, was the show that I really was going to be most excited for because it touched on the nostalgic part of Epcot. What I think it really is, is a love letter to Epcot fans, uh, especially some of the older fans remember Epcot in 1982, and the songs and the sounds that we have such a, a connection to, but it really is going to help bridge the gap between the loss of Illuminations, which some people took, I can still hear the tears raining down, the loss of Illuminations and what's to come next um, with Harmonious when it debuts. Uh, later on this year, I think you and I were talking a lot about looking forward to not knowing a lot of details, but looking forward to what's coming because we've seen some of the daytime and nighttime spectaculars in places like Tokyo where they utilize not just the skies, but the water um, as well. And I think I think the the World Showcase Lagoon affords such an interesting venue for a show like this. Um, knowing that there's going to be choreographed fountains and LED screens and, of course, pyrotechnics and lighting, I think what we're going to see is a, is a progression into the next step in the evolution of storytelling using that as the canvas while still also um, telling the story of Disney music and how it just inspires and affects and impacts people. And I think, you know, actually music is one of those things that is a uniting force and brings people together. Yeah. And you have such great things that are, that are out there already. Like you said, at Tokyo Disney Sea, some of the things that they utilize their, their large, um, 
water theater there. And then you've got World of Color uh, in California and knowing the stories that they put um, in visuals there. Taking some of those new technologies that are out there now and plopping it in the middle of um, of the lagoon is going to be amazing. I, I'm looking forward to hopefully a dessert party there eventually because I want to see that up close and and right at center and see the the detail that the um, the Imagineers have put together for it and the show producers. So I, I don't know why I think I started thinking about nighttime and I, I'm I'm a night owl. Um, I love the nightlife. I like to boogie. It's, an, it's a reference to an old song that none of you probably know. So sing it for us. No, that's uh, I'm good. So I started thinking about um, the nighttime in the parks, at the resorts, all the things to do. Cirque du Soleil helped sort of spark that harmonious. And some of the things you can do, just when you think the fun is over, it's really just beginning. Because something I think people might not have on the radar that I've been able to experience a couple of times, both at Magic Kingdom as well as at Disney's Animal Kingdom, is Epcot After Hours. Now, Epcot After Hours, don't let the name fool you. It's not something adults only. It's not a 21 <laughs> uh, and older at all. Becky got all excited. Wow. But it really is a little bit, it's a little bit of extra pixie dust. It makes me think back to, again, old, old, old school Walt Disney World when they had the E-Ride nights. It was sort of e-ticket nights where they left the park open for a few more hours. So you sort of had a very, very small number of guests in the park to ride select attractions at a specific additional ticketed price. This does that, but sort of pluses it up even more because there's not only the attractions, but there's entertainment. Listen, there's water, there's drinks. There's pop. I've had popcorn for dinner at the Epcot hours. <laughs> they lose money on the amount of popcorn that I eat. But if you've ever wanted to feel or wish you could have the parks all to yourself, that's exactly what this does, uh, especially at Animal Kingdom. I, I think it serves a number. I think this party serves a number of masters. One, it allows you to have extra time in the parks if you want it. You absolutely have that feeling of, the park being all yours, almost if like you and your friends rented it out. And there's when I went to Animal Kingdom, save for Flight of Passage, there was nobody in that park. I posted pictures. I was there a couple of weeks ago as part of a as part of an event. Um, it was open to guests. I took a, I took multiple pictures at 9:30 at night in Liberty Square, Main Street, and the Hub. And there was maybe one or two other guests there. So, one, it gives you the sense of having the park to yourself. We, I haven't ridden Mine Train in ages. My family and I, we rode with maybe a 10-minute wait. We were able to enjoy the park, walk around um, without the, 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 the crowds and other guests. And I think what it potentially has, too, Becky, look, it's, a, it's obviously an additional ticket. It's a hard ticket event. It's $129. But I think an argument could be made, depending on how you vacation, that you don't need to do this maybe in addition to a park day. Say, for example, you want to spend the day at the resort, at Disney Springs, at the pool. Maybe you want to actually sleep late and get up and, and do a nice long brunch. We were able to do so many attractions in such a short period of time that I would actually weigh the possibility of buying an after-hours ticket in lieu of a park ticket for the day. Again, depending on how you vacation. 
I completely agree. I did. That's why I did this. I did one of the after hours events back in 2016 when they came out and uh, and introduced the event, and it was just like you said. There was nobody in the park. It was almost like it was me and 150 of my closest friends in one location. It was so amazing for if you're a photographer, great time to go and take pictures. If you don't like the heat of the day. After hours, when the sun has gone down, it's one of the most comfortable times to go to the park and relax. Um, like you said, don't get a park ticket that day. You can go in at, I think it was 4 o'clock that I was able to go into the park at that point. So sleep in, go to the pool, hang out, have a great day at the park or at the, at the resort, and then head to the parks about 4 o'clock. And you have a wonderful late afternoon, early evening, into the nighttime, and the park is practically yours. I'll take that. I will see your after hours, <laughs> and I'll raise you. I'm going to sort of add this as another one on my list, because if you love the idea of after hours, what if you sort of plus that experience up? Even a little, you're looking at me like I'm like I have three heads. <laughs> what if I told you that on select nights? From February 7th through July 10th, you can tar- participate in Villains After Hours. I did this last year. We had such a... Because this is a very... The Villains After Hours has a very different feel to it. Uh, again, the attractions are open. There's there's things to do and things to eat. But again, this is for an additional three hours after park closes. Um, here you can get in at 7 o'clock. You can, Becky, this totally speaks to you. You can sort of indulge your, your inner villain, as it were, because there's specific entertainment only for the party. So there's Villains Unite the Night, which is a 20-minute stage show with Hades, Meg, the Queen, Maleficent, Jafar, and a few other villains and, and hoodlums. Um, Maleficent, the, the fire-breathing dragon that you see in the daytime parade, comes out at night, she's worth the price of admission, like she is. Um, There's a DJ in sort of this high-energy dance party (laughs) that's going on um, in the hub on on sort of the the castle stage. There's special-themed merchandise, um, a lot of villain-themed food items and beverage offerings that you can only get um, during, yeah, and I don't remember the name of the noodles that were in. Uh, there was a cold noodle dish that was in Tomorrowland. We got one with my family to share. Four noodle dishes later, we were still sitting in Tomorrowland eating them. Plus, again, there's 25 attractions that are open. There's also a few villain-themed overlays at places like Pirates and Space Mountain. Um, and again, all this happens after the park closes. You can go in dressed as your favorite villain, as it were. So it really becomes almost a little bit more of a party-type atmosphere. Um, This place, again, takes place from 9 to midnight. But again, you can get in as early as 7. Tickets are $145 in advance. Obviously, there's annual pass holder and Disney Vacation Club discounts, which I think make it $115 per, um, per person. Uh, and I think they start, I think February 7th is the first. And then there's a few dates where it's from 10 to 1. Um, so it really becomes 
a very, very much after-hours event. Which is great. Again, another brilliant idea because it the, the park hours aren't extended at that point, so they can take advantage of having um, those events when you've got the hard-ticket items. But again, choose one of your days. You don't have to have a park hopper that day. And there's the value where you can go and experience something that's very unique. You're not going to see that in the daytime at the park. Um, those unique food items, the unique entertainment, the unique characters you're going to see. I think that that is a, a good value for the money. You know what? I just thought of something else. If you really want to take the experience and plus it even more. Look, how many times... Have you walked by, and by you, I mean I'm talking about myself. Have you walked by the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique or the Pirates League? And they're do you like, do that? Yeah, man, like, hook me up. I want, I mean, I don't want to dress like a princess. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but you want to sort of look, you know, we're all kids at heart, right? That's why we love Disney. Did you know that you actually could get your own one of a kind, unique Disney inspired character look? at Character Couture. So before you go to the Disney Villains event, you sort of get yourself glammed up Disney style. Um, You can get your hair done. You can get your makeup done based on one of your favorite Disney characters or themes. I had a chance to talk to some of the individuals. I'm like, wait a minute. You're telling me I can sit in this chair and you can hook me up like, I don't know, Spider-Man? And they're like, bring it. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be brought. I am going to do this one day. So if you want to be a hero, a villain, a princess, a galactic hero, whatever it might be, um, they sort of, the the artists, because that's what they are, really work their mind. I've seen some really, really creative um, uh, designs on the faces of adults who become little kids again. You can do these at the Salon at Grand Floridian, at the Salon by the Springs at Wilderness Lodge, uh, La Vida Salon at Coronado Springs, Ship Shape Salon at Yacht and Beach Club, and they even will come and do it for an additional fee at your room. So no. they'll be, yes, um, at certain Walt Disney World Resort hotels, they will come in uh, and do it. So you can do hair, you could do makeup, you could do nails, you can do all that, and they'll sort of bring the uh, the character and I think it's twenty five dollars or so. So if you don't want to, or you just sort of get in your costume already in room, they'll come and do that for you. Man, you're giving me all kinds of ideas <laughs> right now. You realize that, right? <laughs> that is really cool because I know that we've, as adults especially, we've kind of looked at that and said, "Man, that would be so much fun to be able to go do that." I'm so glad that they're bringing or have brought a um, an option to partake because it sounds like a ton of fun and especially if you're going to do it as a family i think that that would be a really neat thing for mom and dad to do as well as the kids so again another great option to have a little fun and be a kid again and look when i say disney characters like i mean everything that's under the disney umbrella so if you want to be a villain if you want to be maleficent or the queen of hearts or star you can you want to be inspired by mickey or minnie at a fab five that's cool what maybe a Star Wars character, maybe a Sokotano or Princess Leia or Rey or Darth Maul is your jam. They can do that too. So you don't necessarily need to be a kid again to be a kid again. And that's perfect. I I I have some ideas about when we should probably do something like this. Why does that frighten me so much? Because usually it involves something for me and it's somewhat embarrassing. Exactly. But. That that's as it should be. But I'm listen. I'm down for uh, for doing that up. Maybe before 
Maybe we'll do a WM Radio Villains Night in the Park this year. <laughs> Somebody write that down. Wait a minute. I sort of like that idea. That could be fun. That could be a lot of fun. Okay. Especially considering, again, because the park is not crowded, because there's these add-on experiences, like you'll never see that Villains Party any other time. You're not going to see Maleficent breathe fire at night any other time. And I'm telling you, the pictures that you get are super cool. I bet. I, I think that that's something that we should add to the list. It's, a, it's after today. It's been does. a very, very long list. Yeah. All right. So what is uh, what is next for you? Oh, man, I was I was so concentrating on how much fun that would be to get you to dress up as something. Um, and I did have that on my list. You're you're like ticking off a whole bunch of stuff that I've got going. You know, I'm going to I'm going to take something general, really general for a moment and just say one thing that that Disney World has really picked up on this last couple of years especially um, is unique food Instagrammable food cute food things that are only available in certain locations Um, Disneyland kind of picked it up there for a while and now I'm really happy to see this kind of coming here too that every time that you can you arrive here there's little nooks and crannies within the parks where you can get something very unique and special that you can obviously eat and take a picture of and share with your friends or in your case not share with your friends but the um the unique food opportunities or snacks more more than food the snack opportunities you can get in the park at different times of the year depending on when you're here you can find unique items that um that are a lot of fun to not only find but share and eat so okay as long as you're going to take me down this road, let's just let's just plant a steak right here and get comfortable in the food zone, as it were, because I may have had a couple of food-related things on my list, okay. all of which I will relatively quickly... Um, oh, no. I, <laughs> Should we order breakfast? Yes. <laughs> Pre-order dinner? So when I say that there's new dining options coming in 2020... I don't just mean a snack, Becky Mankin from MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. It's more than that. There are so many new restaurants, dining experiences that are coming. So you mentioned Space 2020. I'm just going to throw a few out there. If this does not whet your appetite, literally and figuratively, to come to Walt Disney World, then we need to share a meal together and I will show you what you're missing. So quickly, we'll go over to Epcot. The Regal Eagle Smokehouse. Okay, it made me think of Three's Company, like, because Jack always hangs out at the Regal Beagle. This is the Regal Eagle Smokehouse craft drafts and barbecue. We've been thinking this in our little hungry hearts for years. American adventure and barbecue. It's perfect together. This brand new restaurant replaces Liberty Inn. It's no more burgers and fries. It's going to open up this winter. It's going to have craft beers and a variety of barbecue. I have to feel it's endorsed by Sam Eagle from there's a little bit of Muppets action going on there, too. Um, this is one, again, super, super excited for. In French, there is a new French creperie, which is going to open near Remy's Ratatouille Adventure. This is going to don't do that again. It's going to be located. Um, it's going to be a quick service restaurant. It's going to be overseen by Chef Jérôme Bacous, who oversees Monsieur Paul and Chefs de France. 
That opens summer 2020. So you get a little crepe. You do a little sing-along. It's a nice night, right? You've already mentioned Space 220 uh, over by, I was going to call it uh, Mission Space. Um, over in, let me think, where else? At Hollywood Studios, we are going to be getting uh, not just Runaway Railway, but the Roundup Rodeo Barbecue Restaurant. I have to say it slowly. Yes, right. <laughs> in Toy Story Land. This is going to be a new table service restaurant, which I think not just the land, but even the park needs. It's going to be located in Andy's backyard. It's going to be a wilderness playset um, to, you know, part of Andy's uh, toys that he's strewn all about. I think Becky's just happy that there's an air-conditioned restaurant yes. coming to Toy Story Land. Um, Toy Story Land is great, but Andy's backyard needs a little bit of shade sometimes. But again, we have another unique dining option Coming to um, uh, one of the parks, I love the fact that there's a new sit-down restaurant as well. Uh, we're also going to be get uh, in Disney Springs uh, an Ample Hills Creamery, the City Works over at the NBA Experience. So, and and we just got um, the the, and I haven't been there yet. We just got the new expansion to Beaches and Cream, which yes. is just right down the walk, the walk, Becky. Um, Haleo just opened. So there's a lot of new stuff that you probably haven't tried yet and a lot of, lot of new stuff that's coming in the next couple of months. So in other words, we better get gym memberships now because there's... I keep so hearing that word. I don't know what it means or why people go to it. I don't think I need a gym membership. I'm just going to eat. I'll continue to eat my way for you. Um, uh, eat my way through Walt Disney World. Again, we're in that position where there are so many new places to eat and to snack. And the moment you think that you've covered them all, there's five more that are opening up. And like you said, Beaches and Cream, I've been waiting for that. I've been waiting to see what they did because it's always been packed. It's so hard to get in there. I walked past there. It's packed. It's almost like they needed to, to create a whole new building for it again because it is so popular. But what I do enjoy is that I have a new to-go window out front, which is amazing, too. You just walk up and get your little ice cream cone. And when you say, I want a single scoop and a cone, you think you're going to get this teeny little cone and a teeny little scoop? No, you pretty much have to have two hands to, to carry it because it's amazingly huge and you need to go to the gym. But like you said, there's so many new experiences that are coming across property that you could pretty much, if you've been here before, you can come back and not eat in somewhere that you've been before. And before we get off food, because I just, I hate to leave, right? I want to hang out in food for a little while longer. If you're saying, I, I knew this, Lou, I knew this already, and, and I'm a super foodie, I'm going to give you another reason that you're probably not going to find on the DisneyWorld.com website. You're probably not going to find on even the Disney Parks blog or on any of their social accounts. Becky is looking at me quizzically. I know, I know where you're going now. I Do think, you? I think so. I'm going, shh, come closer. Because did you know that many dining locations throughout property have secret menu items that are not on the menu. There's no special code word. There's no secret, like, fraternal handshake. All you need to do is ask the cast member about the secret menu. So um, I guess it was a year, maybe maybe it's been two years ago, um, I covered some of them actually for an article for People Magazine, like the real People Magazine, including one, a very interesting secret menu item experience over at 
Disney's Art of Animation Resort. Oh, no, sorry. It was at Disney's Pop Century Resort. Becky, you're looking at me quizzically. Like, did you not read the article? It doesn't matter. But you can go to Tambu Lounge at the Polynesian. You can go to quick service locations. You can go to table service locations. Ask about the secret menu. And I'm not going to spoil it for you because I think discovery is part of the um, the overall experience and sort of the, the journey. But you might just find something that's not, a, and I don't mean something special like Becky asking everything that she asks for every time she goes out. But there are menu, there's items off menu that they have sort of just waiting in reserve for the knowledgeable and investigative Disney World diner. Are you talking about like when I go to Cruise Cup and ask for a second treasure? No, I don't mean that. What I mean is, for Give example... Me example. Give me an example. I'll give you an example. So, one of the best dining experiences in Walt Disney World is at Ohana. Before you walk into Ohana, you need to go out somewhere and buy true stretchy pants because if you leave Ohana hungry, you've done it wrong. There are skewers of meat and meat products the lo mein, the chicken wings, the vegetables are phenomenal. But sometimes maybe you're like, you know, I don't want to do the whole Ohana experience. I don't want to sit there like Lou Mangello for five hours and eat 11 pounds of, of delicious the sesame sauce on the noodles is phenomenal. If you go to Tambu Lounge, oh, you're looking at me. If you go to Tambu Lounge and ask about the secret Ohana menu, you can get appetizer-sized portions of almost everything on the Ohana menu. No. Yeah, I would not lie to you, at least not Why about this. Here? Why aren't we there? Uh, seriously? Seriously. All right. Can we just pick up and go over there now? Because I have not been to Ohana in probably five years because it's so hard to get into. I had no idea you could do that. Why aren't we there? We're, we're, we're there. Why are we walking? <laughs> Because you don't walk. Um, <laughs> hey! Wow! Thanks. Um, I, I'm I'm going to I'm going to sort of bridge to the next thing because I think that, and I can list these individually or sort of collectively as the Epcot festivals are a reason to visit Walt Disney World, and and it's we're getting to a wonderful time where there's really a festival going on or coming soon at Epcot. We are just days away at the time of our recording, for the kickoff of the Epcot International Festival of the Arts, which runs January 17th through the 24th, where it really celebrates all of the arts from the culinary to the performing to the culinary to the the live. So there's everything from Disney on Broadway concert series. There's artistic demonstrations. There's interactive things you can do as well. And yes, there are marketplace kiosks with unique food items that you can only get through there. Obviously, after that, it's um, uh, the Flower and Garden Festival, the Food and Wine Festival, Holidays Around the World is, is quickly becoming something I really, really enjoy with all the Epcot storytellers. So there's always something sort of extra special going on in Epcot. And I think if you haven't been to any or all the festivals, those alone are a reason to go because you can make sort of a mini vacation by just visiting and taking part in. And I think you should avail yourself of the opportunities. Like today, I got a chance to sample painting a cell. And and there's some cool interactive art that you can create and bring home, whether it's spin art, painting a cell. A Rebus Brothers has a new thing where you can 
create your own unique piece of art, they will fire it and send it to you. And it, it truly is a one-of-a-kind thing that if you're looking for that unique souvenir. So all these things together really make, again, whether you're local or whether you're visiting from somewhere else, makes those sort of um, tentpole um, occasions throughout the year that I think you should come and visit. Oh, yeah. And it, it's amazing how uh, people ha- get to know about these festivals. Because a lot of people will just go, I'm going to Disney World, I'm going to theme parks, not realizing all of the value and all of the unique experiences that are available during these festivals. And as they become more and more known and more and more popular uh, and longer in, in time periods, which is great. Like if you look at food and wine in particular, um, it started out just being just a, a few weeks. And now it's running a few months rather than a few weeks because they are so popular and uh, there's so many neat things to experience, to eat, to do, to experience, people to meet, chefs to meet during that time. I have not done Festival of the Arts myself, but I have watched a, a lot of the coverage when you guys have covered it before. And it is, it's amazing to know that all these things are going on in these buildings that, that people are just unaware of unless you're walking past a couple of the kiosks and things that are happening. Um, you can almost make a, it's your own unique vacation just around each of the festivals and not go to any of the parks if you wanted to. I mean, as a local, I, I'm sometimes surprised at the ratio of how often I go to the parks versus how often I ride an attraction because the festivals and the parks themselves really become attractions and attractors for me. And I think if you say, well, I've, you know, I was just at Disney World last year. I've done it all. If you haven't come for one of the festivals... I think that um, is is reason enough to come and visit. As long as we're talking about the festivals, which, as I said, are some of my favorite events and reasons to come to Walt Disney World, I also sat down with one of my favorite Walt Disney World cast members, Stephen Miller, to talk about this year's Epcot festivals. If I asked you, what was the longest-running festival at Epcot, what would you say? I would have said Food and Wine Festival, probably because the one that it's nearest and dearest to my heart and to my waistline. But the answer is actually the Flower and Garden Festival. And I was just made aware of that fascinating, fun trivia fact by long t- I think I can call you my friend at this point. Longtime friend from Walt Disney World, Stephen Miller. It's good to see you. It's great to see you. We uh, We were just sort of reminiscing going down memory lane of trying to figure out when... When we first met um, in an official capacity way back when, and it's the early, what what they call the aughts, the early 2000s, somewhere around there, when we were talking about Star Wars merchandise in Hollywood Studios, uh, Disney MGM Studios. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I spent many years with the merchandise team. I, I now am with the external affairs team, uh, and I support corporate citizenship and government relations. Great community outreach that we do here in Central Florida and beyond. Um, and then I get to I get to come out and talk about these great things. I mean, I served as a Disney ambassador back in 2001, 2002. So having that experience as ambassador, um, one, it's it's wild because podcasts weren't necessarily a thing. So to be able to talk with you today is is neat, you know. Um, 
And then two, being able to share just all the great things that we're doing here. And you mentioned that, that the, the longest running festival here. It's, uh, you know, when the festival started in 1994, which I'm guessing it was Epcot 94, right? right, Back right. When they changed the, a little bit. So Epcot 94, uh, it was only 38 days. Wow. So it was probably a test. Hey, let's see what this means and so forth. Similar to, I think, our Epcot International uh, Festival of the Arts, mm-hmm. which starts in January. Um, and now it's on its fourth annual. It was a, hey, we're going to see what this is. And guests clearly love it. And now Epcot uh, Flower Garden Festival has expanded to, 90 days runs through March 4th through June 1st. And I think one of the neat parts about this particular festival, not only is it's great food and it's great entertainment and the flowers are gorgeous, but the flowers change. And so if you're here in March, it's going to be a different experience if you're in April and a different experience if you're in May, but you still get the same magic, you know, whether you're here at any time in the spring. Um, but it just looks different. It feels different. The colors are more vibrant or the flowers are look different. And it's just, I love being able to come out multiple times and discover those things. Those little things that, you know, you, you may have missed in your friend in your last visit, you know, cause it's all, it's ever changing, always going. And I'm not saying this cause you're sitting here, but over time, flower and garden, I really think has become not just my, but my family's favorite of all the festivals, because I think it's that, perfect convergence of the I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm going to start with the food but the fact that it is sort of a, a mini food and wine festival um, some of the merchandise that's available, some of the activities that are available for the entire family. I will tell you that my daughter consistently asks, I was just having a conversation with somebody about how often we go to the parks. During Flower and Garden Festival, all my daughter wants to do is go to the butterfly garden. She's like the butterfly whisperer. I don't know how she does it. Um, but there's something for everybody to do. And I think there's just the right mix of, of you know, those kitchen marketplaces and food and activities and the music and stuff at night. Well, you know, they're always trying something new. And I think that's the thing. It's been a mix, trying different stuff. I mean, I remember the the, the Flower Power concert series has evolved into the Garden Rocks concert series because it's a mix of music. It's a variety of different artists that are performing. You know, this year we have Don McLean will be joining us, American Pie uh, fame. Uh, People Bryson, which, of course, you recognize from, you know, many a Disney song, uh, uh, some of the most classics. Um, other returning artists, Rick Springfield, you know, Survivor, you know, Pointer Sisters, things like that, you know, that are coming coming back. Uh, it's always just a great show and it's all included within the admission to Epcot. You can experience the concerts three different times. I, my wife and I went to see Ambrosia last year um, because they were a runner up to our wedding song, uh, one of the one of their songs. Um, and I never thought I'd see them in concert. I mean, I have their vinyl at home. I never thought I'd actually get to see them perform in an intimate setting in the American Gardens Theater. I mean, because you're close to that stage, you know, um, even the back of the theater, you're still a very intimate setting. And uh, now they're coming back this year with the lead singer of Player, uh, Peter Beckett. And, um, you know, baby come back, you know. So uh, he's going to be performing with them this year. And and so to me, being able to share that with my son, who's 14 now, you know, we come out and enjoy the festival, uh, the different outdoor kitchens that uh, – that, um, uh, that are there. Uh, there's just something new to try and taste. And, and, but again, they're always evolving that they're always trying something new, trying to expand this and that, um, to really create one of the best festivals in the spring. And, you know, I, I sort of look at flower and garden specifically, um, almost a little bit differently than festival of the arts or even the, the holidays or, or food and wine festival, because it almost feels like an overlay on Epcot. I think the, the, the um, the horticulture and the flowers, the agriculture and some of the activities 
almost makes it feel like a different park as you walk around. So I'm thinking, obviously, I close my eyes and my mind's eye goes to that that bed of flowers um, around the lagoon, sort of that in between the walkway of, of Future World and World Showcase, and sort of that iconic uh, visual of the monorail passing overhead and the Imagination Pavilion in the background as the sun hits off it. And it's one of the most beautiful pictures. And, and that's part of the appeal is just that that almost, Epcot almost has a different different feel to it during that festival. It's nice when you say an overlay because I think there is those pluses that are added, you know, those things that make Epcot even stand out even more, you know, and, and one of them new this year, which again is that spirit of evolution trying new things, um, which has probably been growing now for years, right? But it's uh, Remy. Uh, we're adding a topiary of Remy in Remy's Ratatouille Garden because... Remy's Ratatouille Adventures coming to France Pavilion uh, this coming summer. Uh, but Remy will be a new topiary unveiled as a new uh, topiary character. And um, he's going to be surrounded by the the ingredients that make up, you know, Ratatouille itself, the onion and zucchini and eggplant, all that stuff. But, you know, having that, uh, again, it's going to be just a nice addition um, to an already exciting summer ahead. Um but you're right. I think there's something beautiful. As an amateur photographer, I love coming out here and taking pictures. I mean, there's so many. You mentioned the butterfly garden. I've gotten some great photos mm-hmm. of butterflies up close, yeah. like super close butterfly pictures um, in that garden, which, again, they're they're real. They fly around. You but know, they're like Disney just, butterflies. Like, they're almost, they stop and pose for you. <laughs> but the, it, it is, I mean, that's a neat thing to see. Um, you know, there's a, a whole outdoor kitchen about honeybees. And um, you can not only see how honeybees obviously help produce the food we we consume, but then you can also try some of their sweet treats, you know, sweet, uh, the, the fruits of their labor, if you will, uh, at the outdoor kitchen. So there's a Florida fresh one. That's, I think always been great, um, uh, over the years, a citrus themed, mm-hmm. uh, outdoor kitchen. Um, and, you know, and the fact that, you know, uh, it's in our backyard, you know, I mean, Epcot, you, know, you mentioned come out to the parks. Um, that is something that, you know, I think over the years I have done as well. Um, because there's beautiful days like today where we're here at Disney's Riviera Resort and, and we're looking out, there's blue skies and you have that same thing. And it's just a great place to just walk around. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I love going out on the weekends um, because you run into people. You see people, you know, it's like kind of our community spot. We all we all hang out right. together and, and, and experience something that is a, an extra special event. And you hit on the head as a, as a local. I talk about the Disney parks become our community parks. It's where we go to sort of spend time with friends and, and you can... I was having a conversation earlier today about, you know, how many, uh, how often I ride attractions. I said, oftentimes I'll go, especially to a place like Epcot, and Epcot is the attraction. I don't stand in a queue to ride a ride. It's just wandering around and, and um, taking in all the pavilions. And, and one of the things I like about um, Flower and Garden is kids to understand what I, there are so many wonderful, and I think it sort of harkens back to, to, old Epcot, right? This There's so many learning opportunities, not just for kids, but for adults as well. Oh, I think that's the thing that I hit on, you know, growing up with Epcot, Epcot Center, when it, you know, <laughs> opened in July. Um, I mean, I was here in July of 1983, opened in October 82. Um, that was just something that made such an impression on me, you know, and, and there's like little nooks and crannies that the galleries, you can go into the different art galleries, you know, and, and see some, you know, um, uh, just a nice addition to, I think one of my favorite art galleries is the American adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, and just some of those uh, paintings that are in there are just spectacular. Um, I always love Bob, 
uh, McCall's uh, uh, painting of space and so forth. That was my, you know, it was my dream to be an astronaut, right? Uh, uh, but, you know, to, to have that and then just the fact that there is scavenger hunts and there's activities that families can do together and experience that. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I think that that's what makes, I, you know, I think about the mission of Epcot and bringing the world together and having a sense of community and a place and so forth that really, I think this festival really hits on that um, very well. Yeah, I mean, and it's everything that all these different opportunities, like you said, are included. It doesn't cost anything more to go and learn how to create a sustainable garden in your, you know, urban, uh, you know, you have a balcony in, in, a, in a city. You can create a little garden there or you can do things at home. And I, and I have found that my kids are the ones who are pausing to go, can we go over, you know, and check this out and see? Or, and I tell people this all the time. As you're wandering the promenade and world showcase, it's not just about, despite what you hear from me to the contrary, it's not just about stopping at the the kitchens to try some of the food, but I think each one is a learning opportunity. Look, you can go um, into, I, I was just thinking about um, Italy, and as, as much as I love going to, to Degusto and, and sitting there in the evening, if you walk through some of the shops and go into the back, there's uh, Giorgio, the, the Venetian mask artist, is, in, is there. Whether you purchase a mask or not, you can sit there and chat with them all about the legacy and the history of how these masks came to be to get a greater appreciation, not just of the pavilion, but of the countries themselves. I think it brings the world a lot closer, you know, and we're all connected with technology these days. Very easy. I mean, in fact, you're listening to this right now, probably on a <laughs> device uh, very much the same way. And uh, but having that that interaction with the cultural representatives, I worked at, as an attraction manager at Epcot Um for some of 2003. It was post my uh, Walt Disney World ambassadorship. And so I was there in World Showcase, uh, which was fantastic. It was Mexico, Norway, China pavilions, and then the American Adventure. And uh, those are my four pavilions. And um, I learned so much. In fact, I still keep in touch with um, the international program students who were working that year, uh, several from Norway, that we still keep connected on social media and all that kind of stuff um, because it's just a connection that you make with 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 folks and, and being able to learn about their culture and 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 how that contributes to a much larger worldview. Um, it's neat. I mean, you're going to see a lot more of that, I think, as we go through this year with new films that are opening in, in uh, Canada Pavilion, um, Awesome Planet, which is coming to Land uh, Pavilion, um, The Beauty and the Beast Sing Along, which will be um, playing opposite of the Impressions de France, one of my favorites uh, of all time, um, China Pavilion on the Rise. And, you know, there's just a lot of different um, ways to experience that and learn the stories and, and share that kind of legacy, um, which just goes, again, going back to, I think, some of the original ideas of what Epcot stood for. You know, I think the festivals, especially things like Flower and Garden, just afford you to experience your day in the park in the way that's best for you, right? So if you want to just um, eat your way through the pavilions, I'll chance I'll be right in front of or, or right behind you. If you want to go, again, photography, look, you mentioned the, the topiaries. The topiaries are literal works of art. It makes me think back to coming here in the 70s and what the topiaries looked like back then. Over by a contemporary. <laughs> right, yeah, right, they had, yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing them out there, you yeah. know, um, and they have really just done, the the horticulture team, I, just really, I, I am impressed each year how they're raising the, the bar and, and just really making it even, even better. Uh, a question for you, so when you go to World Showcase, uh, you're at the entrance of World Showcase, which way do you go first? 
It depends on how, it depends on where I'm going to eat. Honestly, Stephen, that's the answer. Um, I, I'm normally a clockwise guy. Okay. I think I just sort of go clockwise. The, my problem is my favorite pavilion is Japan, and it's way on the other side. So it's really the uh, the shortest distance between two points. I found it. either way. You yeah. know, it's like it probably depends on the on the, on the day. But either way, it's like I find something new to to enjoy every single time i go there um my wife has favorites and i have favorites i love japan too uh you know that's such a, a great pavilion um but you know i love like the 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 back streets in morocco pavilion mm-hmm. you know there's just you know you really you know I, I wrote a um a series of articles in 2016 for disney parks blog and i got to go out before the park opened and photograph a lot of the areas and so forth and it was just neat to see the pavilions and such yeah. history that comes along with that. Um, clearly an exciting future for Epcot and that Epcot Experience Center is just super cool. I mean, I can't wait for the future and, and, and what it holds. Um, but this festival gives you really just a great chance to experience it now, yeah. to enjoy it now, uh, and especially in the beautiful Florida sunshine <laughs> that we have uh, here in the spring. Yeah, and if you've been to the festival before, say, oh, you know what, we don't need to go this year. We've done the festival. It's new every time and not just new in terms of the musical acts and new in terms of the food and new in terms of the merchandise and uh some of the different um, again educational opportunities and seminars and things like that that you can go to um but the the festival always has something new and different and i love the fact that i think this festival probably even more than any of them is one that the entire family of, of at at any age you know kids and adults can enjoy together I can't agree more. I remember bringing my kids here and now they're all grown up, <laughs> you know, and I mean, we ran around World Showcase, you know, uh, my daughter when she was much younger. Now she's much older, you yeah, know, it happens but fast, it, it does. And in like a blink of an eye. But I think that to me, we, I mean, as a customer, I feel like I pass the time with the festivals, you know, like I know, OK, well, it's springtime because it's uh, the, the, you know, or it's in the beginning of the new year because the Epcot uh, International Festival of the Arts is back, you know, or um, we, we look at that. But I have found that these teams that are out there putting these things together, um, there are so many are dedicated to that idea of how do we make the guest experience the most magical thing you can possibly have when you come to visit us. And, and I love seeing what they come up with. I love seeing what's next. I love getting out and experiencing the magic for myself at Epcot, even being here after 21 years, I still feel that. Look, the idea of cast members trying to figure out how they can make guest experience better is what I like to call the Stephen Miller philosophy, because as long as I've known you, and I'm not just saying you know, I I like you and I admire you for so, so you've always been so incredibly kind to me, but you are one of the most dedicated, passionate cast members with a smile on his face all the time. Um, really just, you, I can tell that you love what you do and you love sort of bringing joy to others. That you are, listen, and, and I say this, uh, you are a cast member that I think Walt would be very proud of. So um, I thank you so much for uh, not just today, but all the years of that we've been able to share some of these things together. And uh, hopefully maybe we can go share, share a... Uh, See you sure. in Japan. See you in Japan. <laughs> Thank you for the, the, the festival for, for the very kind words. I tell you, it really does take a team, and it's a dedicated team of seventy five thousand people that are here, and uh, and they the people I've met over time, um, I, the stories they share, the passion that they have. I think it's it's why I continue to work here yeah, each and every day. Why I come to work and uh, excited to be here because it is. 
a, a very special place. And, and and I look forward to seeing folks uh, this coming spring. I'm I'm I know I'll be out at the uh, at the Flower and Garden <laughs> Festival myself because I truly do love it. I love getting out and just getting some fresh air, walk around that 1.3 mile loop, you know, uh, around World Showcase, get in my steps, and uh, and and but have a really great time doing it. Absolutely. And and the dates the festival runs again this year. We're gonna go to March 4th uh, through June 1st. Check out freshepcot.com. That's the um, main website for all details about the uh, Epcot International Fire and Garden Festival. You also follow DisneyParksBlog.com. There's still a few more musical acts that have yet to be announced, and so they'll be uh, announcing them uh, within the blog. And then, again, FreshEpcot.com is where you can find out all the details, tickets, tours, you name it, um, that are all there. Yeah, and chances are you'll see me there, because, again, it's my favorite festival. And I'll probably be there for Rick Springfield. Uh, It's ladies' night when I go out. It's me and all the ladies go, and we enjoy Rick Springfield. And one of these days, I hope to get a rose. But (laughs) Don't talk to strangers, though. (laughs) No, it's a it's it's a great show that that i remember photographing um oh davy jones years ago and Davy was singing i mean just seeing and and again some really great shots because they're right there i mean uh ambrosia we had like third third row seats last year and just getting doing pictures of the band i mean all right there i'm over the years i've seen you know in the fall you know christopher cross and big bad voodoo daddy and a whole host but having that that you know those legendary performers like right in your backyard and having these this concerts which is all included i i can't say enough about it i absolutely yeah. love it it rocks actually it, as, literally. We, <laughs> as they say awesome steven miller thank you so very much man i'll see you at the festival see you thanks uh, all right so what's next on your list i think we probably hit and passed by 20 that's okay Any, anything else on your list yeah there's one that I, i'm gonna steal your thunder maybe because for me what might be what if not the top in there is coming and it and experiencing rise of the resistance i i still can't really wrap my brain around what i experienced on that attraction um it is still to me one of the best attractions in terms of storytelling in terms of taking different technologies and mashing it together for an experience that you control it's not like uh, and we've talked about this before, but it's not the it's not Disney or the Imagineers telling me where to look. You are in control of your own story in a lot of the aspects of that adventure. And I know that it's uh, it, it is so incredibly popular. It is um, right now getting on one of the boarding groups if you have to get there kind of early to do it. But it's so worth it. And as the, the year progresses, progresses, I think instead of it becoming um, less difficult, it's going to be more uh, popular. More people are going to want to see it and experience it as the word gets out. Um, I think that that is one of the uh, main focus reasons to come here in 2020. I mean, again, without rehashing, we, we did a, a live review of Rise of Resistance uh, for the show a few shows ago, as well as a discussion uh, very recently about the convergence of Rise of Resistance, Rise of Skywalker, The Mandalorian, and how it really is what new interest in, in fandom of Star Wars and, and Batu is sort of the, the hub and the home, whether it's in Walt Disney World or Disneyland. I actually was talking with somebody the other day who said that he, like me, had this newfound uh, friendship almost with his son and his brother over this sort of rejuvenated love of Star Wars and they spent 10 hours in Batu. None of them wanted to leave. They, it's not because they were waiting. It's not because they had 
they just wanted to sort of just be in that place, right? Mm-hmm. You know, think about the thing that you love so much, whether it's Star the, the ability to sort of walk through that portal and be transported somewhere else, and whether it's interacting with a Star Wars character as they're walking by and sort of helping sort of be part of that adventure or piloting the Falcon or going to Oga's Cantina or encountering the, the First Order, you can. You know, the Disney World, we talk as a lot of us as locals sort of becomes our park. You can sort of niche down almost, as it were, and live that if, if Star Wars is your jam and that's how you want to uh, you want to live it. So it, Galaxy's Edge was absolutely very, very high on the top of my list. And it Galaxy's Edge is not two attractions. Galaxy's Edge is almost a park um, in and of itself. And you don't need to be a hardcore Star Wars fan to experience and enjoy it. Um, you, know what it you know what it needs? It needs a Baby Yoda buggy that <laughs> just kind of floats through every <laughs> once in a while. I would be so into that. I, I adore that little character more than I think you realize. <laughs> it's going to be so great when he actually has a name and we can call him something else. Because obviously Baby Yoda is a misnomer because no, it's not Baby I, Yoda. I know, but. I know, I know, I get it, but I don't care. I don't Child. care. I don't care. It's Baby Yoda to me. And it will be until it actually has a name. But he is so adorable. He's got the cute little ears and the little sad eyes. And I, I think that the little buggy should just float around Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> To give us a little bit more insight on Rise of the Resistance, I had a chance to talk to Greg Johnson from Walt Disney Imagineering, who led the show technical team, to give us a little bit more insight and answer some questions about the attraction. Star Wars Rise of the Resistance is not just a milestone in terms of the Star Wars saga and storytelling, but really, I think, ushers in an entirely new phase of immersive, interactive, and multi-stage and really multi-sensory theme park experiences. I'm here with Greg Johnson from Walt Disney Imagineering. First things first, nine-year-old Lou Mangiello in 1977 wants to say thank you. Um, I have said this multiple times, including the, the minute I, I got off the attraction for the first time, I cried, man. Like, legit tears streaming down the side of my face because all of a sudden, We've we've heard, and, and when you first step into Batu, it's living your Star Wars adventure, and that doesn't mean anything until you see it. And then when you get on Rise of the Resistance, it takes on a whole different meaning. Let's sort of go back a little bit first. How do you approach an attraction that, one, has to bear the Star Wars name and satisfy multiple generations over 40 years in terms of storytelling, but the expectations of an immersive... Um, technologically advanced type of attraction. So I think for us, it, it all has to be rooted back into story and what story are we trying to tell. And we knew we needed to tell a story that was going to satisfy those Star Wars fans that have been looking forward to an attraction like this for, for their whole lives. But we also had to satisfy guests who've never seen a Star Wars film. And everybody, it's, it's a, such a multi-generational thing Star Wars is, where you talk to different people and when they first saw it and when they were first engaged with it. And one of the things we were really striving for is that your big Star Wars fans, your big Disney fans, some of the most passionate fans in the world would love it. But we also wanted people that had maybe never seen a Star Wars film to to experience the land and the attraction and maybe immediately go home and want to you know, see all the movies and, and, and become big Star Wars fans like we've all been for, for such a long time. Because that's a very difficult uh, line to sort of balance is satisfying the hardcore fans that know and are looking for every detail, every story element, um, every little Easter egg. And then the guest 
that is coming in here maybe for the first time and does not have such a deep and emotional connection. And, and I have to imagine that's got to be a, a, a difficult challenge. Yeah, definitely. I think, again, it's we root it in the story first and what's the story we want to tell. So a story that, that again, the, the, the big fans will love, but the first-timers will also understand what's happening around them. And then once we've kind of started to get that narrative together, of what story do we want our guests to experience? Not just watch, right? Because as, as you mentioned earlier, this is not a passive experience. You are right in the middle of it. Um, then we start to look at the, the technology side, the ride system side, and, and what pieces are we going to bring together to this puzzle to tell that story that we've been, we've been looking to engage our guests in. So again, it's all re- rooted in superior storytelling. And, and the, after I got all over my sense of, of awe the first time I came off and, and thought about it, it really is sort of a three-act play. And it's a, not just a multi-stage experience, but in terms of the, the story that's being told, you talk about the technical elements, and I think the general consensus when you are riding the attraction and when you come off, there's this wide-eyed, awestruck, open mouth silence. Like there's a silence that happens ever because people are trying to process what just happened, and I think it's not just because of story, but some of the technology in there is stuff that we've never seen or felt before. Yeah, I think... When you look at first for this one, um, you know, right off the top of my head, it's it's our latest and greatest uh, generation of audio animatronics, right? So the A1000 series is is very prevalent throughout Galaxy's Edge and, and definitely in Star Wars: Rise of the Resistance. Um, and and you could go down a list of of the number of, of amazing technologies we've brought together. I mean, certainly the ride systems are, are one of the main stars of the show, right? Uh, for those that have experienced it, you certainly know what I'm talking about. Not just one, not just two, not just three, but multiple ride systems all combined together to provide this seamless experience. And so we, we take that story that we wanted to tell. We, we start to bring in all of the technological elements of how we're going to tell it. And the team worked so hard for the last you know four or five plus years to tie it together in such a cohesive way that... Hopefully the guests aren't thinking about the technology of the story. Hopefully they're getting off just like the way you're describing and, and just mouths are open going, what? <laughs> and, and, and I can tell you that we're definitely, even now, right, even now we've been open for a few weeks, but certainly opening week there were a few of us hiding around, you know, by the exit, <laughs> kind of peeking over the, peeking over the walls, watching people's reactions. And, and uh, I noticed the same thing you did, right? There were, there were stages to people's, you know, um, reactions as they got off of Rise of the Resistance. The first one was a, what was that? <laughs> And then just sort of the joy starts to, to come over them. So it's very, very fun to see. But even as you go through, and, and we'll talk about the ride system itself in a, in, a, in a minute, but the laser blasts hitting the walls, um, the effect with Kylo, and, and I don't want to give too much away, but you have this true 4D type experience. Um, it, it, it makes you forget that you're inside of a, of a show building somewhere. Yeah, without, without again, spoiling too much, the, the technology we use, especially on the show side, to tell that story of, of you know, explosions and laser blasts is, is very layered. There's no one simple little thing that we're doing for when a, when a stormtrooper fires their blaster. There's no one special effect. There's multiple special effects all occurring within milliseconds of each other to, to really make you believe that that... that that laser bolt flew through the air, impacted that, that item over there, and now it's damaged. Um, and I think, again, I keep going back to story, and that's it's when you have that much together, if, if you don't root it back in the story and you, you don't make it as cohesive as we have, it can just kind of be a, a, 
crazy mess of things going on around you. But we've we've carefully conducted an orchestra here as you're going through through really every part of it, to where every one of those from every little tiny blinking light to every advanced A1000 figure, they all serve a role in this big orchestra, and we've conducted them in such a way that that. It really gives you this awesome, cohesive experience as you're, you know, flying around that star destroyer looking for those escape pods. And it obviously increases the rewritability factor because the first time you go in, you're just awestruck, and then you go back time and time again, and you're trying to pick up some of those little subtle details. So, for example, in uh, as you come to sort of the, the climax of the attraction and the final time you see Kylo Ren and you have that 4D thing again, I was giddy. I didn't notice out of the corner of my eye, the TIE fighter that was coming in to impact the Star Destroyer. And I'm like, oh, it makes so much sense. And I love being able to, to sort of pay that forward and be like, don't just watch Kylo, watch what's happening out there. Yeah, I think even for us, you know, I, I worked on the attraction for years and years and years, and we, we saw it from, you know, hand sketches to 3D models to previous renderings. And even the first times that we were riding through, it was really something special to see those things come together and see how you notice those details or or some details, even though they're awesome, it's, it, it takes a few rides to really take it all in and understand everything that's going on around you. Um, but even for the project team, it was, it was, it was exciting. I, I can tell you the, the first time we really integrated it and wrote it, I mean, we all came off and we were like, wow, we've, <laughs> we've done something crazy here. This thing's, this thing's amazing. I have two words for you. Kylo's lightsaber. Uh, if you've ridden the attraction or seen some of the, the promo that's still the one that everybody comes off going, how did they do that? And I'm almost like, I don't even want to know because I'm just enjoying the fact that I get to see that. Again, we, that was one of those things where we were like, we've got these iconic Star Wars things like lightsabers. How do we make that a real thing in the real world, right? And people have asked me what were the biggest challenges of this, of this, this uh, creating this attraction and and things like that, things like the hangar bay, things, there's these things that Star Wars fans know what they look like from the films. And now we're going to present them in front of you in real life, and we had to get that right. And even Kylo's saber, the way we, you, you see it more than once, and the way we pull it off is, is, is different between the different times you see it. But hopefully, again, guess, you know, we, we, we know we've got our fans, right? And they're, they're watching, 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 trying to, trying to figure it out. But um, hopefully those guests come through the first time are just like, Oh, that, that, that's a lightsaber stabbing through the ceiling coming after us, and they're just, just blown away by it. Yeah, and, and I have friends, and I've, I've been fortunate to, to ride it a few times, and, and we, we know what's coming, and we stare at it, and then we still can't figure it out. And I think that's some of the beauty. It, it adds to some of the, uh, the awe and excitement. Uh, you mentioned the, the hangar bay, and I still remember the first time I walked in. It was silent. I was with maybe 10 people total, and something I never saw before was people walking through and usually excited, and it was just, and, I, and I'm not trying to, to minimize it, it's, it's relatively simple. There's not a lot happening. You're just taking in that place and that moment, and you can see it on screen uh, as a, you know, watching the movies over and over again, but until you step foot in there, I, almost, I said the same thing. I said, I don't know how they did it. This room is just cavernous, and I feel like, that's not a screen in front of me, but I'm looking out into the void of space. I think it's one of those moments. It was one of those, you know, only Disney can do it moments where we devoted so much space of our attraction to that to that one wow moment, and and for good reason. It was it you you've seen it in the film so many times, and when those doors open, you step out into it. It had to be that impressive. It had to be to the point where people just, to your point, went quiet because they're they're trying to process what they're looking at, what they're seeing, and, and when when you look at that one, even from from a from a technical side. It, 
there, there's some really cool advanced stuff we're going in there, but in some place, in, for some ways, it's, it's its simplicity that's so cool about it, right? It's just this massive space that our, our scenic team matched perfectly to the films, right? All those those iconic Star Wars pill lights that are, that are you know, all around you. Because it has to be, right? right? It has to be perfect. It has to be perfect. <laughs> You know, there's that massive, you know, massive um, Tie Fighter, you know, up on up on the up on the side, as you, you, you which you pretty much walk under. Um, but in in some ways, it's it's its size and its simplicity that are that are just so awesome, right? The thing about the attraction that I love too is it. I, I mentioned it being sort of a, a three act play. It's really multiple attractions in one. I I think the attraction begins and ends not. When you enter and exit the queue, I think it, it begins in Batu and it ends in Batu, and we'll just touch on it quickly in a second. But going from the walkthrough, the first look, even the transport vessel, there is this, you know, this incredible animatronics figures inside. What's happening on screen? You're expecting one thing, and the doors open somewhere else, and you're and everybody's like, how? What? How did that happen? But when you get into the ride vehicle on this incredible trackless system and then you go into sort of a, a second stage of it and then you give us a you know a second and third sort of mini drop sequence uh it's phenomenal in, in how you're able to combine multiple technologies multiple ride experiences into a single attraction yeah we if, if you look back at, at a lot of the announcements over D23 over the years and kind of what we as the Imagineers were charged to do, we were, we were charged to do something ambitious. And I, I think all those, those examples you just gave are kind of leads up to what we undertook from an ambition standpoint to do it. We, we knew that no one little simple thing was going to be enough, that we had to combine all these different things to really give you this, this wow experience. And it, even now, even after being involved with it for years and even riding it so many times during integration times, even I'm still awestruck by, by, by the attraction. It's, it's, it really is such an amazing experience and getting, getting to experience it with, with my family and friends and has been some of the most special moments over the, over the last few weeks, even for me. I've been very fortunate to visit Disney parks around the world other than, um, than Paris. And for a long time, I thought that Pirates in Shanghai was... The, the the cream of the crop, and then I go to then I, then I ride Tron, and then I ride Flight of Passage, and I cry on flight. I'm you know I'm I cry at everything, right? Uh, and then I ride this, and as much as I'm taking in the moment of what's happening here, I'm already thinking about what's to come. Like if this is where we are now, I can only imagine what's to come in the future. So I hate to sort of jump ahead and jump parks, but I'm a huge Spider-Man guy, right? And so I'm thinking Avengers Campus, like oh my, like if I'm living my Star Wars adventure now. I'll be able to live my Spider-Man adventure and all the things that's to come. Um, and I think that's, and it makes it such an exciting time for, again, the hardcore Star Wars Disney fan, as well as the, even the first time visitor, um, because there's, there's really something across the entire spectrum for everybody. Yeah. It's so important to us is that, that everybody, the whole family can come and enjoy these experiences. And, and, and like I said earlier, I, I really hope that somewhere, there is some kid in their family that that they got off the attraction and they went home that night and they said, Dad, you know, can we watch some of these movies? And, you know, the father got to, you know, turn on a new hope for the first time for them or or, you know, anything from the new trilogy. And I think that would be really special for me knowing that this iconic 
story that is Star Wars that we're now we were able to create a piece of it, and uh, and to be part of that is something just really special. Well, and I think that that's what happened, and I think this is sort of the perfect timing and the f- perfect intersection of Rise of the Resistance, Rise of Skywalker, and the Mandalorian um, has created this Death Star-like explosion of fandom for those of us who've been fans for forty years. I was able to experience it with my son. He did. He walked out and said, I need to go build a lightsaber. I need to go build a droid. I need to go ride it again. I need to go and do all these things. Um, And it's a testament to not just the technology, but the storytelling. So, Greg, to you and your team and everybody who had um, a hand in this um, little nine-year-old Umangelo says thank you. Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) Glad to hear it. Favorite moment in the attraction? I think for me, there, there's a sequence of events when, when, when Kylo's coming after you, and I, I, I can't pick one moment, but I think it's that sequence of moments of when he, when he discovers you've, you've escaped and is, is coming after you, that, that that bang, bang, bang is, is probably mine. And that, 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 that leads, up to the, um, leads up to this iconic moment where you're, on the, where you're on the gun deck, right, and those huge turbo cannons are firing out into space. And I, just that sequence right there, every time I ride it just gives me, just gives me goosebumps. So you've obviously seen Rise of Skywalker, right? Okay, this is a spoiler section. You've obviously seen Rise of Skywalker. After I've ridden the attraction, after seeing the movie, and you can confirm or deny or just give me a subtle wink as I was in the detention block and, I'm, and that amazing effect of, of it being opened up, did General Hux help us escape? <laughs> like, I can't weigh in on that specifically, but what, what I can say is We've, we've been involved in, in this whole land of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge for so many years now and, and seeing how things from the land are starting to permeate into the films and into the comics and, and uh, has been super, super, super cool. And some of it, you know, to- totally candidly, some of it we on the project team, you know, at, at, at least at my level, didn't know it was going to happen. So I'm, you know, I'm a Star Wars fan too, right? So sitting in, uh, uh, sitting in the, the Han Solo movie and hearing character names that the land hadn't opened yet, right? But But hearing names of characters from our land in the movie and no, kind of feeling that getting woven together was just so awesome. So awesome. So it's a great time to be a Star Wars fan. Greg, thanks again. Yeah, thanks so much. Um, you know, I, I, I completely, I was thinking about food and I completely forgot <laughs> when I was talking about Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, I actually meant to, um, to piggyback on that because there's something else. You know, we talked about how we couldn't believe there wasn't a single... Mickey Mouse attraction, I think because we were talking about so many sometimes high-level, big-name, quote-unquote, big-ticket things, we forget about some of the other things that are coming. Did you know that there's a new Mickey Shorts Theater that's coming to Disney's Hollywood Studios? I did not. See, I was waiting for you to go, of course I did, and be like shaking your head like, Louie, I have no idea what I'm talking about. So uh, coming this March over at Disney's Hollywood Studios, all we've seen is a little bit of uh, concept art of this theater that really kind of evokes the same type of look and feel of Runaway Railway and the Disney Channel cartoon series. So you're going to see another new original short in that same style, in that location. Plus, there's also going to be some special photo opportunities there as well. So if you're a Mickey Mouse fan, this is 2020 is like your year, man. You've got the theater you've got the runaway railway so um i I think we're going to see some additional new look if you've been to um the riviera like 
They have new costumes, like you see Mickey and Minnie in. There's a football game going on nearby, by the way. I mean, not a football game. They're watching a football game nearby. Or they're really excited about the Mickey and Minnie Theater. You never know. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> the other thing, too, though, with all this that I think I forgot, then I'll add this at the, the punch on the end. With all of the new attractions and the new things that are coming, new merchandise is also coming as well. So if you are a fan of picking up pins and t-shirts and and phone cases and everything else that comes along with the new the new attractions and the new lands and the new resorts there are a ton of merchandise opportunities and a lot of this art is amazing i i love what they've done with the stylizing of several of the things they've come up with for the new attractions and the new resorts so there's another opportunity for things to buy in 2020 so, adding to the list of things you can't believe come out of Lou Mangello's mouth, um, I'm going to I'm going to preface this with a qualifier. I have said forever. This I'm pointing to myself. This Lou Mangello. This is not the body of a runner. This is not the body of an athlete. So to hear me say that run Disney really affords you not one, not two, not three, but four reasons to visit Walt Disney World in 2020? I'm not kidding. We are literally hours on the heels of Walt Disney World Marathon Weekend, where since I ran my first and only two th- <laughs> uh, half marathon in 2008, a, a WW Radio running team was born and has grown because of the people in this community that have to now swelled to, I, I believe our numbers around 680 people, literally from around the world, of every skill and experience level who walk, run, walk, jog, wheel, cheer, whatever it might be, from 5Ks to dopies and everything in between. They have gone from endurance events for athletes who just happen to be doing it in Disney World to a weekend that I look forward to because it's about more than that, right? It's about the the marathon weekend experience. It's about community. It's about fundraising. It's about coming, uh, finding a reason to come together and carb load with extended family and friends. I've seen amazing relationships come because you come together for this thing. I've seen friendships be formed on the course as people help each other out. We have our sort of own little cheer team and we're out there and, and you know, it's there are long days and early mornings and, and everything else like that. But when you look at it, there's so much fun and there's the marathon weekend in January. There's the Princess Half Marathon weekend in February. There's a Star Wars rival run. Again, great excuse if you're a Star Wars fan in April, and then the Wine and Dine Half Marathon uh, this November. So whatever your thing is or the reason that you're looking for, the Run Disney things can be some of those those weekends you put on your calendar as a reason to come to run, to train, to spend a weekend in Walt Disney World. But that, for a lot of people, is sort of what they are 
basing their vacation time around. Yeah, there's so many runners right now that they're going to come here twice a year because they're going to hit two of those really important races for them. There's a lot of people, too, and I, I really enjoy this. And we did it way back when, when we did the 5Ks. Clearly, you and I are made for cheering. We are not made for running. And we, we took that on as a, um, as a thing to do with people who wanted to be motivated to get into better health and, and better shape. So it's so neat to see the people who take on the challenge. And I know that there's folks out there who really want to try and they're afraid they're going to get swept. They're afraid they're going to get picked up. But guess what? That part really doesn't matter. It's the fact that you took on the challenge to begin with. And to see these success stories uh, of people who come down for their very first 5K or 10K or they've done a 10K and now they're going to try a half, um, it really does bring people together, connect them in a way with themselves and their family and their love for Disney. I, I think that it is a, a wonderful way to spend a vacation if you're, like you said, walking, running, or cheering, or just being there as a support system for someone you love, um, you can tie in your love for Disney into this experience as well. And if you're saying, oh, you know, I, I think I'd like to do it. I'm not really a runner. I haven't trained. None of that matters, right? You can walk a 5K. Look, if you walk a 5K when you go to Magic Kingdom. Trust me. You can walk a 5K. And if you say, well, I don't want to go to I Forget about going to Disney World alone. I don't want to do this race alone. I can tell you. You don't need to do it alone. You've got a friend in me. More importantly, you have a friend in our team. I invite you to come and be part of the WW Radio running team. Again, you don't have to have any experience. We raise money for Make-A-Wish thanks to you and Becky and Mouse. We've raised more than $300,000 for Make-A-Wish over Marathon Weekend. We often get to meet one of the Wish families that we sponsor, which is a great way to sort of bring home and really sort of connect you to what it is that you're helping to raise money for. And, and that family gets to see the people that made their wish happen and that, and that dream come true. Um, so I invite you and I promise you, you have friends and coaches and support staff on this team, not just on race weekend, but um, we have a, a Facebook group and, and it's such an encouraging thing to see. I, I'm, I'm so humbled and grateful just to be a part of being able to watch these friendships form the, the look of, of joy on people's faces as they line up to start um, and they finish and a lot of things that we get to do together over the weekend as well as part of this, I, I don't want to call it community, it really is a family. It really is. And the, the look on your face when you're being hugged by a hundred and some odd sweaty people was great. All for the children. We raised money for uh, the Dream Team Project through Make-A-Wish and you were such a great sport. And once again, to all the, the runners who participated, I appreciate you. Thank you for the entertainment. It was a great day, and I got to giggle, giggle a lot. It was really hot that day, too. I'm just going to tell you. You guys are sweaty messes. But it was, again, it was fun, and, and it was all worth it. All right. So I, I'm sure we hit more than 20, but there's a couple other things that I wanted to touch on. And one of the things that um, was announced last year at D23 Expo that really has sort of quietly fallen under the radar. Again, you're looking at me like, where is this guy going? Where is this guy going? Something was announced that we expect to debut in late 2020, which is once again going to help you not only get the most out of your visit, whether you're a first-timer or you've been hundreds of times, but help you 
plan your vacation, plan your day, plan your itinerary, and it's the Genie. It's Disney Genie, which is going to be a new app that is going to be rolled out later on this year that's really going to help you um, plan your day. So whether you know what you want to do or maybe you don't, the Disney you're going to tell the Genie basically what it is that you're going to like to experience, and they're going to evaluate, evaluate all these different options to present you with what it thinks is going to be your optimal day and it's flexible right you can change it around however you want and add or subtract things and the genie is going to optimize your day it'll give you real-time tips and updates and recommendations for things maybe that it thinks that you will like based on some of your earlier choices and if you need to make dining reservations if you need to change something if you need to go to wherever it will help you all in this sort of seamless and we've only seen screenshots of what appears to be a very interesting and intuitive interface and i think what we've seen with things like the play disney parks app we've seen in batu and how there's that overlay there and what i think is just scratching the surface of making your experience in that land and other places better like i used to i used to be upset when i saw people looking down at their phones and now all of a sudden the phones are devices to help add layers on top of your days in the parks. It used to be, remember when they did in the queue of Soren, they had those interactive games. They brought it over to Magic Kingdom. They added it to Peter Pan's flight and some of those walls in, in the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Now they're able to do that without having to shut down and build something in an attraction. They build it into something that's in the palm of your hand that you can play alone you can do with your friends. There's a, almost sort of a re reward system and things like Galaxy's Edge. And now with this Disney Genie, it's going to be very interesting to see how it helps to enhance your day, whether it's mobile food ordering, the online check-in, the Play Disney Parks app. And again, we don't haven't seen very much, but what we, we did see, I remember from the presentation from Bob Chapek at Expo, there was a lot of like... This looks like it's really interesting. It, it will be. I'm, I'm curious to see how it, the algorithms are going to work, how the information that they're going to, to bring together to enhance the day or not make it more complicated. To be quite honest, there's a Disney vacation when you're on property can be very complicated. So hopefully they're going to roll out some tools that will help you when you're here, so you don't feel as though you may be missing out if you aren't aware something is going on. And a couple of things that, that I remember were interesting was, look, if you're, I'll use myself, if you're a foodie, for example, it will help you plan your day. If you're a thrill seeker, if you like, you know, it'll help you do it. It also said something like certain features of the genie will be available through your preferred travel professional, who, by the way, for me, just happens to be MEI and Mouse Fan Travel for your vacation <laughs> planning needs, owned and operated by Becky Mankin. Um so again, we've sort of gotten a little hint of what this Disney Genie might be. There's a few screenshots. If you go to the Disney Parks blog and look, I think it was around August of 2019, they show uh, a few screenshots and, and animations of what this app might be. But again, it's overall, it's the utilization of technology, not as the, the focus, 
but to enhance different parts of an attraction, a show, a dining experience, and now your overall vacation as well. Yeah, and I mean, the other thing you, you didn't mention uh, in terms of technology that's really helped your experience when you're here, mobile ordering. Um, mobile ordering through your device has really uh, quickened the pace of getting food if you use it. For, I mean, I've stood there and gone, I've stood in line and gone, why didn't I mobile order this? So when they find those those tools to uh, take away a little bit of chaos and a little bit of, of the inconvenience of, of being here, that's where I think the technology really shines. And hopefully they will find ways within this app to to do that as well when you're on property. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, I, I'm sure we went way over 20, and I, and I think that there's things that we missed as well because I think there's more reasons to go. And I think one of the things, you know, I think about when, when as I was thinking of this list is, look, there's always a reason why you can say, well, we, you know what, we're not going to go this year because next year this is coming. Oh, let's not go now because this is on its way. I think you're, you need to look at it the opposite way. There are more reasons to go and go back. Because if you keep doing that, there's always going to be something that's coming down the pike. Look, I don't think we've heard all the announcements for what's to come, not just in, in 2020, yeah. but in 2021, especially with the anniversary coming in October. Um, you know, I, I don't want to speculate, but I, I'll speculate. I, I think <laughs> what we are seeing, for example, I think Tomorrowland is, is starting to show hints of of what's to come. Look, and for all we know, Tron, the Tron light cycle power run may open in 2020. We don't know what that day that is going to be. Yeah. And if it does, you're probably going to park yourself there and forget anything else exists. <laughs> well, because we wrote it in Shanghai yes. and we know um, how good that's going to be. And, and look, I think we see that, that certain things are, um, you know, certain venues like where Stitch's Great Escape used to be um, maybe ripe for something new. We've seen that there's a new archway in Tomorrowland. Um, there's a new Jungle Cruise movie that's coming out. So you don't know how things may change um, going forward. But I, I'm going to give you a, a little bit more close to home. I want to give you a couple of other reasons to come because... Becky and I have been working feverishly, dare I say, look, the, the people in the other room are obviously very excited, feverishly and diligently and quietly and secretly on some WW Radio events yes. in 2020. We are not ready to reveal it just yet. I'm probably going to do it on a live Wednesday night broadcast, so definitely stay tuned to my social and the Facebook group and the Facebook page for when we're going to make the announcements, not just for what's coming in 2020, but even maybe a sneak peek at what we have planned for 2021. We're planning that far ahead. But even on a much simpler level, again, I talked to you about being part of not just this community, but our family. I think another reason to come, especially if you are coming alone or you say, ah, I don't really know. A meet of the month is a great way to make and meet new friends and connect not just names and, and little avatars and icons on Facebook or Instagram, to a person that you're communicating with, but really get to meet people in person. And, and uh, I, I promise you, it's an incredibly warm and wonderful and family-friendly and welcoming community. Uh, and remember, you know at least one guy at a meet of the month, and that's going to be me. And again, if you check out the events page at www.radio.com slash events, 
You can find out about upcoming meets in the month, on the road events, and some other special events that we have um, that we have planned. But look, I, I think what this list is indicative of is that there is something for everyone, whether you're planning your first trip or you're looking for an excuse for the next one or you're not sure if you need to come back this year, I think there's a, a lot more reasons than you might think. Yeah, and if you look at my schedule too, you might actually be able to do meets of the month when I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> and I get to meet You're always too. here. You're here in Orlando more than I'm in Orlando and I live here. Wow, well, I, I can't That's argue kind of that. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because it's true. Yeah, there's so much, like I said at the very beginning, the moment you think, okay, we've got everything that they just announced is open, there's 10, 20, more, 30 more excuses to come to Disney World for your vacation. And I, I think the best way to put it is it's an exciting time to be a Disney fan. Yeah, and look, there's plenty of things that we didn't even talk about. Halloween party, Christmas party. I still debate over which one's my favorite. When I'm at the Halloween party, it's Halloween, and then Christmas comes. I'm like, ah, I love Christmas even more because it's snowing on Main Street. Um, and again, I think there's a lot more that uh, we don't even know yet. I would love to know, like, in your eyes, in your mind, in your heart, what do you think is your most compelling reason to come back and visit this year? Or if you're, if you have a friend who's saying, I'm thinking about going to Disney, I'm not sure. What's that one thing that they need to see, do, experience, one? and yes, even eat? Did you just say one? I said one. Wow. Of all the things we talked about, like which is the one that gets you most excited? Is it checking out the Topolino Terrace? Is it Cirque du Soleil? Is it Runaway Railway? Is it the next Epcot Festival? Is it Harmonious? Is it, you know, Awesome Planet? Whatever it might be, let me know. Go to www.radio.com slash community. That'll take you to the Box People group over on Facebook. We can talk about um, some of these and even more reasons because I'm sure there's plenty more. If there's something else that I missed, let me know as well. And obviously, I would be remiss, and, I, and I'm not saying it because she's here, but, you know, with all that's going on and all the places to stay and all the places to eat and discounts that come and go and ticket options and where to stay and where to play, it's also a bit overwhelming and sometimes a bit daunting. And I could easily, without her here, give you 20 reasons why you, you should use a, a Disney specialized authorized vacation planner. I obviously recommend Mouse Fan Travel because for 13 years, it's been who I use, right? And if, look, you. Becky wouldn't be here if I didn't, if I didn't, if I was gonna say if I didn't use you, but if I didn't, <laughs> if I didn't trust you, not just for my, look, you know, for my family's vacation and more importantly, to trust the vacations of my friends, who is you, the listener, um, there are all kinds of reasons. And we don't need to go into 20 now, but the fact that you help sort of wade through all the different options, you help us understand that there's a new, um, there's free dining coming out or there's this special going out or maybe you shouldn't do this, you should do this instead and it comes at no cost to us. It really is such a, an added benefit um, that I think sometimes people don't necessarily realize. Yeah, and thank you so much for saying that and it's, well, thank you. <laughs> a nice eye roll. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we really take a lot of pride in what we do. We love what we do, and I think it shows how it reflects throughout the, the affiliates that work with us. And the biggest thing for us is that, for you to know, 
it's at no cost to you. And I think there's still a lot of confusion about that, that there are vacation planners out there and travel agencies that will charge you for their services. We do not. The, the question always comes up, well, how are you to get paid? Well, Disney pays us, but it's not that they um, up the cost. It's the exact same cost or less than what you would pay uh, to use our services. So we enjoy helping to make magic and helping to make your vacation as seamless, as um, stress-free as possible. Uh, And me and my team of now over 100 agents nationwide are happy to help in any of the needs that you have to uh, plan your vacation to not only Disney World, but Disney Cruise Line, Adventures by Disney, Disneyland, and pretty much across the globe. Not that we're going to hint to any upcoming potential <laughs> WW Radio group cruises that we have been planning and putting down on paper, even tonight, as... Uh, I'm sorry. I'm saying I've said too much already. So, again, you can find them over at mousefantravel.com. Look, I could give you a hundred reasons why I love and appreciate you. Not you. You, the listener who's sitting here at the Ale and Compass at Disney's Yacht Club Resort with us. Um, I have a thousand reasons why I appreciate you. I appreciate listening and uh, would love to hear from you about your reason to visit Walt Disney World in 2020. And yes, Boathouse is a perfectly acceptable and encouraged answer. I was wondering if that was where you were going to, because my question to you is going to be, what is the one thing? You're telling them about one thing. Can you pick one thing? Of course I can. I'm not going to share it right now, but I, maybe I'll share it on the group in Facebook. How's that? What's your favorite dish at Boathouse? Top 20 dishes at the Boathouse. Um, and that's not a lie. Although the coriander seared tuna and the tuna poke appetizer are some of the best things I've ever put in my mouth. And the new the coconut gelato, mind blown. It flakes of coconut. It's so good. And I'm not a dessert guy, yeah. and yet I love it so much. Yeah. And the blueberry cheesecake. The, and the blueberry And cheese. the flay sliders. And, and the, the truffle fries. And the tuna. And the poke. Poke? What, oh, poke there? you get the, the tuna po- You haven't had the poke with the avocado? No, you never. I think you got don't it say I don't take you. Don't. You would not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you I might not share there. when we go there, yeah, but I have. I have yeah. taken you there. You're seeing it on the table, but yet you wouldn't share. It was on the table briefly. Time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World's history or just see how well you pay attention to the details, sometimes what you see, hear, eat, maybe even identify a where in Walt Disney World you may have heard this sound clip. I'll randomly select a winner from all the correct entries. Before we get to this week's question, we're going to go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last week we were preparing for the Walt Disney World Run Disney Marathon Weekend, which I have always felt has really become much more, I talk about this week, uh, of an endurance event. It really is a fan event, and it's a community event, and for me it's always been a good excuse to not only get together with friends, but more importantly, carb load. And your question last week was to tell me, simply, in what year did the Walt Disney World Marathon begin? I want to first thank all of you who entered, got this one correct, and knew that the answer was... 1994. Now, I even gave you a little bit of a hint because I said it was the first time that not only was the marathon run, it also included a two-mile fun run, and it took you through all three 
of the theme park. So you knew it couldn't have been after 1998 when Disney's Animal Kingdom opened. So the first marathon was run in January 1994 and featured, I want to say, almost only 5,588 runner. And it really was what launched what was at the time known as the Disney Endurance Series, which is now obviously Run Disney. So I took all of the correct entries, once again, randomly selected one, and you were playing for all of my digital products, which include my 102 Ways to Save Money for an Walt Disney World book, all seven of my Magic Kingdom audio tours, which take you through on a guided tour of the history, details, secrets, and stories, all with the three-dimensional ambient sounds of the parks behind you. I'm also going to send the winner a WW Radio vinyl sticker and a Magic Band cover. And last week's winner, randomly selected, is... Jennifer McClelland. So, Jennifer, congratulations. You use the online form, so I have your shipping address. I will get your prize package out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Non-Trivia Challenge. And now for something completely different, because I really want to help you discover some of the things we talked about on this week's show, right? The stunning world, the far-off galaxies, the exciting new stories, and put some, or all, of our 20 reasons to use with $100 in Disney gift cards. Because now is the time, now is the best time, to create those happily ever after moments in the Walt Disney World theme parks. And to win, you don't need to know obscure trivia or remember the lyrics to listen to the land or know what year Horizons closed, 1999. All you need to do to enter for your chance to win is what I've been asking all along, which is to help spread the word. It's easy. You can enter more than once. And you're also helping the show so you get the warm and fuzzies all around, right? So this week, our contest isn't going to take you into the Walt Disney World details or obscurities, but instead, I'm going to take you over to Instagram. To enter for your chance to win the $100 in Disney gift cards, all you need to do is this. One, subscribe to the podcast, which hopefully you already do. But if not, go to www.radio.com slash podcast. It'll take you right over to iTunes or use your favorite podcast player. Two, follow me over on Instagram. I am at Lou Mangiello. Three, I'm going to post a photo about this week's show and contest. You need to like that photo. Four, you need to comment on it. Tell me what is that one thing that you are looking forward to most in Walt Disney World in 2020. Five, you need to tag a friend that you'd love to take with you and maybe invite them to listen as well. You need to do all four. You need to follow, like, comment, and tag. And for an extra entry, you can and should share the post in your Instagram story. Now, you can enter more than once, but you have to tag a different friend in each comment. No celebrity or fake accounts, etc. The contest is going to run until Sunday, January 19th at 11.59 p.m. I will randomly select one winner from all the entries on Instagram. I'll announce it on the show and on Instagram as well. And if you're not on Instagram, now is either a great time to sign up and follow or don't worry because, of course, I'll be back next week with another contest and maybe even the same prize. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so very much for taking the time to tune in this and every week. I understand and appreciate that your time is your most valuable commodity, and I'm grateful that you choose to spend and share it with me each and every week. 
And even though the show's over, I don't want it to end, so please join the community and conversation by joining our group over on Facebook at www.radio.com slash community. I also want to thank all the new and longtime members of the WW Radio Nation family. I appreciate your love and support and friendship and help, and I love being able to give back to you each and every week. I want to thank some of the new members who have joined the hundreds of you who are part of the Nation family, including William Zeiss, Joseph Charnus, Matt Moore, Oscar H. Garcia, Janet and Gary Zarilli, Rick Bedoya, Clay Malcolm, and Becky Apuzetti. Thank you so very, very much. You don't know how much your support means to me. And if you want to find out how you can not only help the show, but also get exclusive rewards every month, including monthly scavenger hunts of the Disney parks, we have a private Facebook group, we have custom Magic Band covers, logo gear, backpacks, t-shirts, monthly care packages, from Walt Disney World. We also do exclusive live video group calls where it's not just you watching me. We're all on the call together. There's also early access and discounts to special events and lots more. And don't forget that while this is completely optional, it's a great way for you to show your support and help the show. And more importantly, that a portion of the proceeds of your optional contribution does go to the Dream Team Project to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. Again, thanks to you, we've raised more than $310,000 to help send children with life-threatening illnesses to Walt Disney World. To find out more, to become a member of the nation, please go and visit www.radio.com support. Again, as I said, I'd love the conversation to continue. So if you want to connect with me on, on social, I am at Lou Mangello on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Please like the WW Radio page on Facebook at facebook.com slash WW Radio and go to wwradio.com slash subscribe to get our free weekly newsletter. I'd also love to hear from you if you have a question or a comment or want to be heard on the show. You can call the voicemail at 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WDW1. But of course, as much as I love connecting and communicating with you online, I'm still a firm believer that nothing beats a handshake and a hug. It's why now for more than 12 years, I've continued to do monthly meetups in Walt Disney World. I want to thank everybody who came out over this past marathon weekend to our meet of the month on Saturday in Tomorrowland. It was so great to see old friends, to make new ones, to congratulate all the runners. And more importantly, this was and, and always is on Marathon Weekend an incredible opportunity for all of us to really literally see how what you do makes a difference, right? With the Dream Team Project, with the running team, with your incredible generosity, we're able to meet one of the families that you're running and your donations and your contributions helps to allow to come to Walt Disney World. And there's nothing like seeing the smiles and the tears on the faces of the child and their families because I think it's great for them too to see really the people that made their wish happen. Again, to find out more about what we do in terms of raising money for Make-A-Wish Foundation, you can visit dreamteamproject.org. And again, huge thanks to all of you. Actually, in less than two weeks leading up to Marathon Weekend, we raised an additional $10,000, which will sponsor another wish. So my heartfelt um, and sincerest gratitude to all of you. Our next meet of the month is going to be uh, well, technically, in New Orleans on February 6th, right before the day before our cruise out of New Orleans on the Disney Wonder, we're going to meet up during the day at Cafe Du Monde, and at night, we have an optional nighttime riverboat jazz dinner cruise. Again, if you go to www.radio.com slash events, you can find out more. But our next meet of the month in Walt Disney World is going to be Saturday, February 22nd, 
which is over the Run Disney Princess Marathon weekend. Didn't we just do this running thing? A lot of fun that weekend as well. Again, the location and time, TBD. So stay tuned to the events page as well as the show. Again, that's going to be Saturday, February 22nd. Also stay tuned. Becky and I hinted to some announcements of upcoming events for this year and beyond. I'm also going to announce some other meetups, not necessarily in Walt Disney World, but on the road as I travel to speak, including San Diego and other locations domestically and internationally. And speaking of speaking, if I can come to speak at your event, your conference or school, or maybe even help you turn what you love into what you do with speaking or mentoring or events, things like that, you can visit lumangelo.com. You can browse some of the different speaking topics that I can customize to your event or for your business or how I can work with you one-on-one or in small groups. And then stay tuned. This week, I'm finally going to announce the dates and tickets for my Momentum Weekend Workshop in Walt Disney World this fall, as well as my Momentum Weekend Retreat this summer. But again, if you go to lumangelo.com, you can find out about both of those events and then stay tuned this week for tickets. Again, thanks as always to Becky Mankin from Mouse Fan Travel. You can go and find her over at mousefantravel.com. And as always, my friend, and you are my friend, I mean that from the bottom of my heart, all I ask is that if you like the show, and I hope that you do, please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening. Share a link over on Facebook to this or your favorite episode. And if you can, take just 15 seconds to rate and review the show over on iTunes. It's incredibly helpful. Thanks to you. We have more than 2,000 five-star reviews. Everyone is incredibly important and meaningful. I want to thank a few recent reviewers, including Steve Swirk0482, who said WW Radio is the best. If you're seeking out the best Disney podcast, look no further. Lose personality and love for all things Disney, from the parks to the history and, of course, the food, are infectious. He helps to bring that special magic from Disney every week. I've recently started listening and couldn't be happier. He also hosts many others that add their own special touch to this amazing show. I agree. There's no way I could do this by myself. It's all here waiting for you at WW Radio. Outlanda from Australia, I think that's amazing, says, great work being in Australia and loving trips to Disneyland. This show is an awesome and informative podcast. So much resonated with me on discussions for Walt Disney World and Star Wars. Great job, Lou and team. Wayne0770 says, very enjoyable. I enjoy listening to Lou between my Disney World visits. The last was in 2017. The next is in 2021. He keeps me entertained and informed about my next visit. Keep the good work. You should write an autobiography. And Akua, ECCUA, says it's the best Disney podcast out there. Lou brings a fun, full-range look at everything Disney, from the parks, cruises, and adventures to the films and history. His podcast keeps the magic alive and is a great way to get your Disney fix every week. Akua, Wayne, Outlanda, and Steve, thank you so very much again. You can just search for WW Radio on the in the Apple Podcast app, or if you go to www.radio.com slash iTunes, it'll give you a direct link and show you exactly how to rate and review the show. Finally, most importantly, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to the show, for being a subscriber, for spreading the word, for being part of our, I don't even say community, for being part of our family, for what you do for Make-A-Wish, for being part of the running team, everything means so much to me and I want you to know that I'm aware of it always um, and and I wish there was other ways I could say thank you but I want you to know how truly truly grateful I am for you and I want to say thank you and I want to help you just tell me how I hope that this truly is your best week ever so until next time hey Lou this is Jeff Richardson and this is Ashton Richardson 
and we're on the worst attraction at Disney World, Magical Express, headed back to the airport. But we had a great time on our very first run Disney weekend, being part of the WDW radio running team. It was great meeting Deanna at the uh, the gathering before the race, before the half marathon. And we saw you as we were entering Epcot, but we were in the zone, and we thought if we stopped, our legs wouldn't keep going. So it was great to see you and all the folks cheering us on. But thank you again for all you do. Uh, to keep the Disney magic going, and especially what you do on weekends like this for Make-A-Wish. I know how great that is to be able to give back to, to kids who need something special in their lives. So we appreciate it, Lou. Thanks for letting us be a part of the team, and we can't wait to see you at the next race. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, Lou. Bye. Hey, Lou. It's Christine Morrison from Flower Town, PA. Um, I'm listening to the latest podcast about all the Star Wars stuff, and two things came to mind, um, two points that I want to make with you guys that really nail home what you're saying. Uh, my 12-year-old, Chase, not really a Star Wars fan much at all, um, and you probably saw on Facebook he got a, a BB-8 onesie for Christmas. He asked for a Baby Yoda onesie. He's not once watched The Mandalorian wasn't even interested in watching it, not really into Star Wars, but Baby Yoda was on his Christmas list. And then last night, he went to the movies with his friends, and they saw The Rise of Skywalker. That is his first Star Wars experience in theaters. Ironically, is the last movie. So I'm curious to see where his interests go from here, if he's going to want to go back and watch everything or um but it really is a testament to what they've done with star wars and how it has captured the interest of even people who weren't aren't really into star wars but um pulling everybody together just like you guys are saying and, and those are two examples just from my one child um of his experiences of starting to be interested in star wars so it's I'm curious to see where it's going to go from here. I love it. Um, my interest has been rekindled with The Mandalorian. I've bonded with my older son on The Mandalorian. Every Friday night, we're like, all right, come on, let's go, sit down, Mandalorian time. And I'm a little bummed that it's over. I can't wait for the next season. So have a have a great day, everybody. Um, make someone smile. Tonight's box night. Woo-woo. Take care. Bye-bye. Hello, Lou Mandello. It's Darlene Aggie from formerly West Seneca, New York, and I'm calling in to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Love everybody on the WDW radio running team. Everybody finished their 5K, 10K, half and full, and some did a dopey. So, everybody, congratulations on the runs or the walks. You guys did an amazing job. So glad I was part of it this year. It was so much fun. Next up is the cruise out of New Orleans for many of the WDW Radio Box family and some of the runners. So you guys all have a fantastic time. I am so sorry I will not be able to probably make it up there for the pre-cruise. But I am thinking of you and can't wait to see all the pictures from that cruise and hear the recap from Boo and Becky and whoever else. I can't wait to see everybody again. Have a magical day. Love and hugs and stay positive. We're in 2020. Make your dreams come true.